0: All those comics, all the games, all those toys, all the TV, the animation. Just give us, just give us one hour.
1: Hello, Marvelites. Welcome to This Week in Marvel, the official Marvel podcast of all news, new releases, and jazz hands. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Marvel's Agent M, joined by... Marvel digital editor of... (laughs) Wow.
2: Whoa, that was wrong. You got just stuffed by (gasps) yourself on that one. Editorial director of digital media, Ben (laughs) Morris. And we have with us intern Nick. Intern Nick, you want to say hello on my microphone? Hey. Ugh. Wow, he got real close to you. Yeah, he got real close. Real close. close. Oh man, I wasn't here last week. You were not here last week. I was sitting there. Mm -hmm, Alex mm -hmm. Lopez was sitting there. Great. Nick was sitting here. Cool. Everything's all topsy turvy now. Nick loves doing the friggin' hand signals. Yeah, It's one thing. Very distracting. It's extremely distracting. You're gonna poke your eye out with that pen. Watch yourself, kid. Yeah. Good Lord. Anyways, welcome back. Thanks. Did you have a nice uh nice break? Yeah. I know was, you were working a little but then you had an actual uh-huh.
1: vacation. I went to Portland. Yeah, Portlandia. And hung out with my friend Patrick. Mm-hmm. And that was great. I the th- the only bad thing I was gone for 10 days, which meant 10 days of not sleeping normally and not eating anything proper. Really? Like what were you eating? We were we would go out for breakfast, lunch and dinner from because it was business trips and then yeah. you know hanging out and it was just like oh we're going to eat eggs you're not making any three for mornings yourself. in a row or something yeah. we did not make one meal for ourselves no that makes sense and so i was not feeling
2: great coming back but now i feel a lot better I'm so sorry to hear that Yeah. Well, I'm glad you are on the men because we have some comics to talk about. So many we comics. We had a good episode today, actually. I'm very excited. We oh, have yeah. comics to talk about. Uh, I had a conversation with Nick Lowe about the Spider Man titles, where they've been, where they're heading. And as you know, Nick is always a good time. Yep. So that was fun. And then you and I, mm-hmm. when we were snowed in the other day by the blizzard, did not let it stop our podcasting because we talked to none other than Craig Kyle. <laughs> about x23 yeah it was awesome i was holed up on my third floor <laughs> Do you grew- have three floors yes sir well done technically <laughs> i have four if you count my basement so yeah <laughs> you don't count the basement no all right now yeah i have three floors on my on that's my third, very cool on my third floor which is my podcasting room uh-huh. um i was curled up and just listening to craig tell us sweet sweet x23 stories. how's my pupper? How's she doing? Oh, she's doing okay. She okay. Um, she went through a little bit of a phase, a little bit of a biting and barking phase that hopefully she's coming out of now. Are uh-huh. you simulating the biting, Nick? You're so weird. Um, but she's been a lot better this past week. Very the good. hardest thing for her is when it snows out, there's nowhere to take her to let her do her thing so i've got to just rely on basically just i shovel out like a little path and just (laughs) let her go but she's very confused yeah she doesn't know what to do yeah Yeah.
1: uh well one little note on the craig kyle portion his audio may be a little bit lower we're gonna have christine see if she can make sure the sound is as good as possible but i just want to give you guys just a note ahead of time as you're listening sometimes the audio levels fluctuate this Mm -hmm. one he was calling from a cell phone we were on skype our audio sounds pristine. Great. Just amazing. So good. Um, the best. Just to give you guys a head Better heads up, than real.
2: Um, and it
1: was so great to talk to him. It
2: was, un- it was unreal to unreal. We've talk known to him for a long time, and it was, yeah. it was great. Uh, we should also mention, because Craig asked us to mention, that he's going to be at WonderCon. Yes. And people can go and visit him. Um, I don't know his booth number or anything like that. I don't know. He'll probably be signing
1: in places. Yeah. I mean, he's... He's worked on all the Thor movies. Mm-hmm. He's the creator of X-23. He co-wrote her first stories, uh, some of her first stories. Obviously, Joe worked on her first appearance right. in X. but when she showed up at uh, X-Men Evolution, and we'll get yeah. into all this in the podcast. That was the podcast. so cool
2: how much time we spent talking about X-Men Evolution. I know. Which is such an overlooked piece of Marvel memorabilia. Yeah. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. Yeah.
1: So, um, yeah, definitely say hi to Craig. Um, if you see him, let him know that you listen to the podcast. Yeah, please. um, Yeah, he's a delight.
2: Let him know we want him back later. We'll get him back. Yeah, for For sure. For all sorts of stuff. But first, before we get to the Craig Kyle portion of the show, let's talk about the comics that came out this week. Beginning, it looks like you got your eyes set on a giant hunk of Amazing Spider-Man number 25. Yeah, you get yourself 10 George
1: Washingtons, you get yourself... An amazing Spider-Man number twenty-five. Mm. George Washington's on the dollar bill. Sure. Okay. Cool. Um, so this is the uh, beginning of the Osborne identity, which clever. I did not get it. I uh, did not register until so like this week when I was reading. I was like, wait a minute. Like, the board idea... Wow. Now, there you go. Got me, Dan Slott. Uh, but this Who's is... Who's drawing a- this book? Well, hold on. It's okay. a giant issue with multiple Sorry. stories. This first story, written by Dan Slot, art by Stuart Immonen. Stuart Immonen is on Spider-Man. That's one of the things I talk about with Nick later. Yeah, he's... Stuart, you know, like... It's one of those things where if you talk to an artist so often that one of their favorite artists currently yes. working will almost always be Stuart. Yes,
2: widely admired by his
1: peers. Yeah, and rightfully so. I remember Stuart has been working in comics for an incredibly long oh, yeah. time. since we were kids. I remember, Yeah, he was on the Superman books <laughs> back in the day. And it looked completely different. Completely than different. Now. It was a lot looser style and yep. it evolved over time. He did a book with Kurt Busiek called um, Superman's Superman Secret, Secret Identity, Identity, which I know it's the other guys, but it's, it's okay. one of it's my good. absolute favorite That's stories good. of all time. Um, and that was that I think that was the book where I went, Whoa. This guy's amazing. Yeah, this guy's got, he's got something. And then on and on, and his new Avengers run is just Next full of incredible... Wave.
2: Next Wave is brilliant. The ultimate Spider-Man is great. Yep. So it's cool to see him back on Spider-Man, working with Dan Slott for the first time, I believe. I think so. It's very exciting.
1: Um, but And, and it, he's here for a big story. This is... Uh, The return of Norman Osborn. Yeah. We saw at the end of Clone Conspiracy that Spider-Man went to Kingpin and he said, I don't like you. You're a bad guy. And Kingpin was like, I'm a really good guy, but maybe not a bad guy. Maybe? Yeah. And so they had this conversation. And uh, Kingpin owed Spidey for something. You should read Clone Conspiracy if you haven't. Um, That. His kingpin's repayment was giving him the lo- giving Spidey the location
2: of Norman Osborn. Yep. So Osborn disappeared at the end of Superior Spider-Man. He has been in the wind, and the last thing he said to Peter, or the last thing he said to us, the audience, uh, was, "Ooh, <laughs> I don't like it here anymore." <laughs> Was that it? Was that's that it? A, that's what he said. Oh, okay. That's what he said. No, he said uh, Spider-Man's in trouble because he's never faced a sane Norman Osborn right. before,
1: which is a scary thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got that going on, and you know, Spidey is tracking him down. He's got his friends. He's rolling deep. He's rolling real deep. Yes, real deep, real deep. Uh, and you know, I'm he's deep. he's got to travel around the world. We get a cool little interlude with him and Aunt May. We Aunt get May is doing very well, I got to say. She's holding it together, but like,
2: I feel like there's more to it. I, I do too. I, she can't possibly be this okay. Yeah, there's a little thing with uh, Betty Leeds as well. Betty Brent Leeds. Yep. Uh,
1: yeah, Betty. But you also have Harry uh, Osborne here. Oh, Harry Osborne. Harry Lyman. 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 Um, but yeah, Betty. There's something going on. We find out that it ties into clone conspiracy, mm-hmm. which just—it's like basically punching Peter in yeah. the in the guts. Over and over Clone again,
2: conspiracy won't let go even no. after it's done.
1: Yeah, we there's there's this page here I'm looking yeah. at where we see um, Spidey, uh, Peter and Bobby Morse at JFK. They're hanging out in the lounge. There's this panel of Peter Parker. It's just like it's just a simple image of Peter right. sitting there with a cup looking of coffee, a little stressed out, a little stressed out, a little you know funny. Um, they're about to have this conversation and all this stuff. It's just. The, the storytelling, the facial expressions, everything that Stuart and yeah. and company brings to it. Yeah, uh, yeah we got to say that Stuart, obviously Stuart Imminent on pencils, but Wade Von Graubadger on inks and Marte Gracia on colors. Yep. They're the team that Cracker kind of travel team. Team. together.
2: Yes. Yeah. Um, so don't, good. Well, don't skip over the Spidey Man, mo- or Spidey Man, Spidey Man mocking, Mockingbird of it all. Yeah, Spidey is sort of like, hey, should we... Make this a thing. Do you want to, like, bone zone? Would not say that. No. No bone zone is mentioned in the book. No. We would not do that. But that's the way I read it. This is a couple I have interest in. I have very... I'm very interested in seeing something happen between Spider-Man and Mockingbird. Yeah. I think they're both super smart. They're both adults. It would be cool. They're both superheroes. I just... I'd like to see it. Yeah. She's
1: the best. Yeah. She's great.
2: Uh, He would be punching... Is it punching up? Is that
1: the phrase? He's not punching. I don't I don't know, man. Yeah. So she's out of his league. Dating up if you ask me. Yeah, no. But, but Still, that's why that's what would make it work. Yes. It's great. Um, but the the situation is completely derailed because there are other people who are on the plane, which I will say one thing. Uh how do they not realize these people walked past them that's a good point. getting into the onto the plane? Point. Well,
2: they're all sleeping. I suppose.
1: I suppose. They're taking naps. Anyway, they go to Hong Kong because they're, again, they're tracking Norman Osborne. They're following all kinds of leads. There's just cool pages of fighting and talking and yelling Mm. and chasing. um, Norman getting his, uh, trying to escape getting his extra faces Mm -hmm. uh, to keep his disguise. Or to try and, you know, just say, screw it. Screw it, guys. I'm going to get out there. Yeah. I'm going to do what I got to do. But by the end of the issue, we get to see, or at the end of this part of the story, we get to see... Someone else is also on the case
2: for uh, the Osbournes. And someone you wouldn't expect. Except if you saw the cover for future In, issue. Instead, if you saw the cover for next issue. Right. Then you would totally suspect it. But it's awesome to see her back, so we're, it's very cool.
1: Then we get tons more comics than this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get a story called Police and Thieves, which is a Clash song. Oh, cool. Which makes sense, because it's a story the about Clash. Clash. Uh, written by Christos Gage, art by Todd Nock and Rochelle Rosenberg. And uh, it was a story that took a cool turn that I was not expecting. No, not at all. It went one way. And obviously Clash uh, was a great character introduced in the last couple years. Has history with Spidey. Uh, tried to be good. Went down a bad path. This story positions him in a, in a way that I really hope we need yeah. to see more of. Uh, then we get a zoom zoom story. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, Spider-Man Sum Up is the name of the story by great. Jacob Chabot, uh Penciled by Ray Anthony height yep. and inks by Walden Wong colors by Jim Campbell if you read the Tsum Tsum limited series or know anything about them they're super cute they're these alien versions of the characters they're they've like been, little hot
2: dogs yeah they're li- little, little, little little more girth than a hot dog yeah like a thick, a thick really like you want to wrap ju- your hand around it hot dog. like
1: a just wiggle yeah. it uh huh right uh, yeah. uh so we've it got didn't get your whole hand around Spider-Man it. teaming up with the Spidey Sumsum. Uh, they are fighting the White Rabbit, which always love to see the White yeah, Rabbit. Yeah, White Rabbit. One she gets the- a White Rabbit robot, oh like my a Mecha suit. Yeah, it's so good. Uh, but it's really fun little story. Then we get uh, another story that um, this one. Who, where's the credits page? Yeah, I don't see this the credits guy. page for this. Oh, there it is. Gold. Right here. Darn it. Uh, story written by James Asmus with art by Tana Ford and Andre Mosa. It's set in... Uh, Tana Ford sounds
2: like a superhero name. Yeah,
1: right? She draws like a superhero. Yeah,
2: she draws like a superhero. Uh,
1: in Shanghai, it's cool. We've got Spidey just swinging his bike around and punching people. And it's, it's a really cool story, and it feels like it has big implications. Like, mm-hmm. we're going to come back to what this story is and especially the last lines of that little tale uh, going forward. And then we get a story by Hannah Blumenreich um, and Jordan Gibson and Jordy Belair called Mutts to Do about nothing which nah, come on loved a, it. this is a slam dunk and it's a, it's a, a good one. It's a young Spidey years ago where he meets a dog he becomes friends with a dog. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you one thing about me. I say hello to every dog I meet
3: it's, it's the every po- it's the dog thing to
1: do I meet.
2: It's the right thing to do. And they're people. I could care less. Nick, are you motioning to a fake dog that's on the ground? Yeah. Okay. That got weird, but that's fine. Weirdo. I love dogs, though. Oh, dogs
1: are great. Dogs are the best. Uh, then we get uh, one of the amazing spider ant stories by Kale <laughs> Atkinson, which are... So fun. Mostly wordless, a little yep. bit of dialogue, but it's really visual gags. It's a lot of fun. It's Aunt May just hilarity it's really really great uh and then i think is this the final story this is it final story this is the
2: big finish <laughs> this is the one everyone's gonna be talking about yeah um where's the credits page on this guy i can tell you yeah tell me it's written by dan slott it's drawn by giuseppe cammincoli yes Inks by cam smith
1: and this is uh following doc ock who yep. we saw at the end of clone Conspiracy. Put his mind into another body, but yeah. not just any old body. Well, we didn't know that he did that.
2: We didn't. No, we just there oh, it was left. Open maybe ended. I knew. It somebody told me. Maybe someone told you. But uh, we will talk more for those of you who enjoyed Amazing Spider-Man Number Twenty Five, and for those of you who didn't, what's wrong with you? For those of you who did, remember, I'm going to be talking to Nick Lowe in a little while. We talk all about that. We talk about the octopus of it all. Yes, and so we, we much octopus. Get, we, we get up in that.
1: Uh, so if you are worried about the ten dollars cover price I for am. this issue. You didn't need to be. Why not? Because it's worth all your your George Washingtons. Oh, okay. And if you have, like, the coin monies, it's worth all of the coin monies yeah. that you have.
2: Bitcoins? Yeah. It, it's Are probably. Still a thing? Yeah, Bitcoin is definitely a thing. Yeah, I don't know. I've never used one. I've never used one either. Let's talk about Patsy Walker, a.k.a. Hellcat number 16. What a delightful book. It's written by Kate Leth. Art by Brittany L. Williams. Colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. This is making me sad because it's the penultimate issue – Patsy Walker. This is coming to a close with issue number 17, but they are going out fighting. Uh, it's just adorable and I really hope we get to see Brittany L. Williams on something else after this. She's got a unique uh, a unique visual approach to drawing comics that I really like. Uh, Hetty Wolf comes back into the picture here. Basically a giant tiger shows up to attack her. There's a mystery man in the other room. What's going on? Uh, they're missing the building that Patsy works out of because she has this cold, where every time she sneezes, crazy stuff happens. Yeah. Sometimes it turns Jubilee into a vampire. Like, she was already a vampire. No, you know, no I mean, she looks like a vampire. Oh, yeah, because yeah, Because they yeah. like a Count, Count Chocula outfit. <laughs> um, she so, looked great. There's a, there was a really funny line, too. She's like, check me out. And then America was like, I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was great. Yowie, zowie. Um, so they, they track down Hetty Wolf, who is with the demon Belial, who is another character we saw earlier in this book. Uh, he he was he was in charge of the Hell Dimension that Patsy got banished to. Hetty and Belial have gotten together, and they are freaking adorable. Yeah. They are like my new favorite couple in comics. Really sweet. We go back in time. We find out how Hetty had an interaction with Damon Hellstrom, and that's how she ended up meeting Belial. They had a meet-cute. If you will, um, and so now it's 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 hilarious. They're they're so cute together. And look at Jubilee's face when she's just like so excited. <laughs> look at America's face. She's like oh, okay. And Patsy's is just like, what the heck is going on? But Belial is going to help Patsy calm down and get over this thing because it's not it's stress it's a stress induced disease it's not just picking up some germs or something like that so Belial's going to help her get through it this is where yeah uh, this is where she turns Jubilee into the old school vampire and goes, America goes done and done <laughs> um, great stuff um, but Patsy Walker just trying to make sense of it all and then it takes a sharp turn to uh, the touching as Belial transforms himself into She-Hulk because that's who Patsy really needs to talk to she needs to talk about how she's so overwhelmed how she. She misses Jen. Uh, she's not sure she can handle everything in her life. Uh, but her friends, meanwhile, are trying to figure out how they could help Kat, help out Patsy. Um, and there's kind of they, her and Hetty Wolf make peace. Belial's involved. It's all great. It's such a cute book. It's such a heartfelt book. Uh, it's such a really good looking book. I just I love it.
1: I love it, too. Um, all right. Up next for me is Black Panther World of Wakanda, number five. Uh, Written by Roxanne Gay. Consultant is ta Coates. Pencils by Aletha E. Martinez. Inks by Roberto Poggi. Colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. And, you know, you've been following this book. It follows uh, Io and Anika, uh, the two midnight angels who we are familiar with in the pages of the uh, regular Black Panther book. This is their origin story. Mm -hmm. This is the, the tale of how they got to being at odds with... Black Panther, seemingly with Wakanda, but really like their story is so much more complicated, so much deeper, and so engrossing. I friggin love this book. Yeah, uh, it's it's great. This is really taking us to the beginning of Black Panther number one. Yeah. this is setting up how they got to those final. You know how they got right to that point where they were don- they had donned this armor and they were like. Seemingly, this threat to the Black Panther, Uh, all the the pieces sort of fall into place over here. We also get the stuff with falami Yeah, Um, a Very interesting character. Uh, Yeah. So that was the last issue where like things really like blew apart for her. Mm -hmm. Her dad, who is a scumbag. That's what I was gonna say.
2: Her dad, awful, mean warlord. I could use words other than mean, but you know this is a PG podcast. This is not a PG podcast. Yes. He's a dick face. Uh, he's, he's, he's a jerk.
1: Yeah. I don't like him. <laughs> yeah. He was doing terrible things terrible to people. Things. Women. And it was just it, he got what was coming to him. Mm-hmm.
2: Probably deserved a lot more. Are you writing that down? Are you writing down that he said dick face? Yeah. Question what mark, up, question mark. <laughs> question mark, question mark. I love it. That's great. Uh, You're doing a great job, Nick. But
1: so we we see that Falami is she is upset by that. She's Taking, re- she wants to take revenge on Io and Anika for mm-hmm. for taking down her corrupt like, dad. And, and it, everyone around Falami is like, "Hey, hey, f- what is wrong with you? Like, see your dad as we see your dad. We're here for you. We yeah. want to help you.
2: But your dad was a bad person." Yep. You and she's got like, it, you oh, you got "I'm my it. dad." Blah. Yeah, good. you know, that's, that's that was that's my a good imitation of uh, Falami. Yeah, uh, and she's been. Her she name was... sounds funny when you say it out loud. Okay, just gonna put it out there. Like, when I read it on the page, I'm just like, oh, yeah, sure, whatever. I say it out loud, and I say, like, falami. It sounds too much like salami. Well, now that you're saying it like that... Falami. That's not good. I can't no. hear it any other way. Falami.
1: Anyway. Falami? Um she she's been getting these uh, cybernetic like implants mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the the nano nanites nanites thank nanites you. Um, so that has been souping up her powers and making her a really really big threat which we see in the pages of Black Panther yep. um, but I just freaking love the last couple pages here as and Anika come together they're just like forming this unit and they're going to fight the good fight that they believe in they are awesome heroes i love them and there's a really cool letter on the back about a
2: woman who picked up her first book Mm -hmm. and it was this and it was it was really cool Mm -hmm. uh okay and i want to move over to star lord number four written by chip sadarsky art by chris anka colors by matt wilson another just another book where the protagonist just i fall in love with him and the art is just incredible star lord's beard Let's talk about it, man. It's a handsome beard. It's a handsome beard. Yeah. There's plenty of shirtless Star Lord in this. It's like it's like Chris Anka has it written into his contract that there needs to be a certain amount of shirtless, topless Star Lord in every issue. And I, for one, support it. Yeah. He looks fantastic. Totally. And if you like looking at the ladies, there's a shot in here. Oh yeah, Agent Brand. Agent Brand is
1: in the middle of a workout. And it's
2: like this is Beefcake City. Beefcake, cheesecake, everything you All need. All the cakes. All the cake you, you can like want cake? in Star This is I your can't, comic. I can't eat cake. Um, but anyways. <laughs> but there's other great stuff going on here. So we've got the old man who Star Lord's been hanging out with, him, Edmund Allen, uh, who I love. Just this kind of grumpy old man. And we find out that he was a criminal. And he was a criminal that escaped Daredevil. And Daredevil's literally his entire career been like, This guy, this guy got away from me. And Daredevil comes into the book now. He's harassing Star Lord. He's like, I finally found you. You got away from me that one time. Ha ha. I will close the loop. And Edmund's just like, Whatever, man. I'm not a super villain. <laughs> yeah. Like He's whatever. like, I
1: realized that was a bad decision. Yeah, I didn't I'm do done anything. With that
2: He's like, I returned the money. He tells he tells his origin story about how his brother created oh this suit. Brutal. That allowed him to walk on air, uh, and he had barely escaped AIM taking
1: it from but him. But like even the science that Chip and everybody puts together here, I was like, I get that.
2: Yeah. That's cool. That uh, makes sense. It's cool stuff. It's unique powers. He's just a great character. I'd love to see more of him. Meanwhile, at the bar with no name, which Star-Lord, of course, is the bartender at. I, so one of the things... Sorry to keep interrupting. No, please.
1: One of that's the things, what we do on this show. Yes. One of the things that I really dug... Was that like he's Star Lord? He's Mm -hmm. a Guardian of the Galaxy. He's a superhero, right? You know, but he's bartending at the bar with no name, which is the bar for villains. And they, they, I I don't know if it was Shocker or someone else was like, Hey, I know you're kind of a good guy, but I think it's Shocker. I think it's it's Shocker because he
2: basically needs him to go do good guy stuff. Yeah, I, I like the idea that they're like, Oh, yeah, yeah, he's kind of a good guy, but whatever, yeah. it's fine. I like the idea that Star-Lord's like, look, I'm a Guardian of the Galaxy. I deal with intergalactic threats. I'm a good guy, but I don't care what Shocker's getting up to. Yeah, he's like, like I don't care about wor- Earth laws. Yeah. what's the worst thing Diamond Head could be doing? Yeah. Right? He's a guy made of diamonds. What's he going to do? Hit something Speaking hard? Speaking of which, Diamondhead has gone missing. Whoa. Shocker recruits Star Lord to go and look for him. Basically, needs him as a hero. <laughs> the, the, um, I love the two sides of Shocker here, mm-hmm. too. He's like, my friend, we got to find my friend. Yeah. And then
1: there's like bits of diamond dust yeah. on one of the walls. He's like, do you think I could sell this? Yeah, it's like,
2: like it's I could make some money. For for Mark Strom, this is the best Shocker <laughs> appearance since the <laughs> uh, demise, demise, demise of Superior Foes yeah. of Spider Man. Uh, and there's that great Agent Branshaw you were talking about. I mean, That, can, come that can tide you over for a while. Um, what? Keep going. Just keep going. Don't worry going. about it. Just don't worry about it. They find Diamond Head. They find his head and his foot. And I'm like, oh, my God. And the villain has uh, cut these parts off of Diamond Head. Shocker gets to be kind of a badass, which you don't usually see for him. Then that's when the bottom half of Peter Quill's shirt gets blown <laughs> off so you can see his abs perfectly. So good. Uh, they get into a fight. We meet the mystery villain, uh, perfect villain for Peter to be going up against. Uh, the villain kidnaps someone close to Peter. He, of course, runs off thinking it's going to be Edmund, but hot twist, it's not. It's someone else who's close to both Peter and Edmund. And is going to pry the um, the infamous Silver Bandit, as Edmund Allen is known, <laughs> out of retirement. Yeah, delightful.
1: What a so great good. book. All right. Also great, Totally Awesome Hulk, number 17, written by Greg Pak, art by Mahmoud Asrar, Nolan Woodard, and... Um Letters by Corey Petit, and so we've got our uh, our new team. I think they're called the, they call themselves the Protectors in here. Um, our squad. Yes, they of, do call themselves the Protectors. Sorry, thank you. Our squad, which has uh, Amadeus Cho, Ms. Marvel, Silk, Shang Chi, Jimmy Wu, and Jake O. Oh. Uh, they're all taken with a bunch of other people from uh, New York City, as well as a chunk of New York City, to be food for these aliens from mm. Seknar 7 or is it 9 7 7 7, I mean. Uh they're, they're they're humanivores. Yes. Yeah. They only eat humans. I mean Which Seems really unhealthy? Yeah, unhealthy. Yeah. To be we're sure. garbage. Yeah, we're Ugh. garbage people. I wouldn't want to eat people. Nope. But anyway, so they're they're together and they've got our heroes have a group of civilians and they're trying to form together and and come up with a plan some of the powers aren't working not you know they're, they're running up against a whole bunch of uh science issues a whole bunch of power issues and also the fact that they're in space and there are monsters about to eat them uh but it's a big team effort for everyone from the heroes to like even, you know, uh, electricians and mechanics and everybody else. Everyone c- can pitch in. Totally. And it's cool, like, they get some guff here and there, but eventually they come up with a plan. It's very A-Team-like. Mm. I think that was part of why I loved it. It was like, mm. you know, like, they come up with a plan, they're gonna put it together, uh, and, it, you know, unfortunately the aliens come back, we get awesome moments. Like, there's a Ooh. full one-page splash page, page. Splash page yeah. of Shang-Chi kicking a bunch of these alien dudes just housing them. It's so awesome. I love Shang-Chi. Yeah, looks Shang-Chi's dope. the best. Um, Ms. Marvel being all awesome and hanging out with these heroes. It's just really great. Then you get this crazy moment where uh, Jimmy Woo and Jake O oh are like, take us. Don't take yeah. these people. We'll sacrifice ourselves. It's just this really cool, sweet moment. And then Amadeus, and, but that was all part of the plan. It was a swerve. Just Awesome thrashing and fighting, uh, and of course, things don't go the way that they wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody gets knocked down, we'll see what that means, but it sends Hulk into a rage. It's
2: just damn good story. I'm freaking looking. It. Um, it makes me wonder, if we were in that situation, what would be the practical skills that we can bring to the table, as we are not electricians or mechanics? Uh, I think we, nothing. I nothing i can i can i can pick stuff up and move it from place to place for a little while you can carry stuff yeah Um, i've got arms to do things i can edit anything
1: yeah, Anything. you could you could super edit. Yeah, yeah, like did. if they wrote the plans up, you could.
2: <laughs> I could sure make they... sure they were grammatically correct. Good job for sure. All right, Uncanny Avengers number twenty one. First, I want to talk about this dope, crazy oh cover by Adam Kubert. Scene does not take place in the book. Nope. Was a little disappointed by that, uh, but the book is good enough to stand on its own. But it's like this monstrous Red Skull taking on Cable in the astral plane, and it, Adam Kubert just draws the hell out of it. Uh, on the inside of the book, Kevin Lebranda. The hell out of that with colors by Dono Sanchez Almara and Proto Bunker, written by our friend Jerry Duggan, who I, I had dinner with one of my on. nights in LA. Yeah, it was just great to spend some time with Jerry, Dude, man, talk
1: to him. A nice man, about you know all the work mm-hmm. he's done on Avengers, some of the stuff he has
2: planned for, for Guardians. Guardians. I mean. He's the best. Yeah, Jerry's Jerry's the dopest. He when when he was here for the retreat, I tried to eat lunch with him every day until he just shooed me away. <laughs> that makes um, sense. Yeah, cause i was so irritating. Um, I love Sassy Red Skull as written by Jerry Duggan. <laughs> Sassy Red Skull, who makes himself a, who's who's. Just surrounded by dead bodies, Deadpool's on the ground bleeding to death, Red Skull is making himself an ice cream sundae, and he's upset because his ice cream is starting to melt, because Deadpool is telling him the story of how they suckered him, and uh, how Deadpool came up with a great twist and a great plan to get Rogue back on his side, and then just look at this awesome page of Rogue in action, Red Skull running away. He should. He's scared? And he should he be, should be scared. terrified. Sin getting owned. Uh, this is if you're a Rogue fan, this is your issue, man. Yeah, this this it's was one tremendous. of those like
1: w- Jerry writing Rogue makes me like Rogue more. Yeah, um, and yeah, that, that Sin moment where she's like, "You'll have to get you'll through me." And yeah, before she's like, even
2: done saying, "You have to get through me," she's destroyed. already knocked out. Uh, we had Spider-Man fighting the Human Torch. We've got Synapse and Wasp tracking down cable the
1: cable bit here Oof. is fascinating to yeah. me,
2: especially because we know there's a
1: new cable book coming. yeah and so what if how this plays into that i don't want to spoil anything but if you are excited about cable which yeah. you should be because he's one of the greatest characters ever Great character. uh this is definitely an issue you gotta yeah. read
2: dr voodoo goes looking for deadpool deadpool just man he's just the hero of heroes and he is so upset because he says he was the one who was supposed to kill the Red Skull. He doesn't, he doesn't want to want put Ro- that at anyone. Yeah, he doesn't want Rogue to get her hands dirty. Jerry's. Uh, Deadpool is my favorite. we got some good Wong in here. Uh, we've got the Avengers wondering where the heck uh, Rogue took the Red Skull. And she's got a cool plan. I didn't see this plan coming. Oh. No. Uh, when she goes to Adelan, of all places, and turns to an old friend for help with the Red Skull, yeah. and uh, they they got a plan. I will say one thing: those Inhumans, they need better security. Yeah,
1: After terrible. All, multiple times, people have been rolling up in it's their true. place. It's true. And they've been like, blah, blah, blah.
2: Yeah. she comes in, she's got a helmet on, she's got a she's super got, villain, she's got Magneto's helmet on. Yeah, like, of all people. Hey, maybe let us know you're coming yeah. at least. Yeah, I would not feel safe in my house if a former super villain with the Magneto helmet. Carrying the Red Skull, who has telepathic powers, could just roll up on my house whenever they wanted. Seems like a bad thing. Bad idea. Yep. All right. Before we get to our quick hits, let's cover Monsters Unleashed, The Big Finish, (laughs) issue number five, written by Cullen Bunn, art by Adam Kubert colors by david curiel and adam garland uh, what a great big finish to what has been a super fun story we have the debut of some new characters uh, we have the gross and terrifying leviathan mother first of all so a couple a lot of things going on a lot right of right stuff now. one did you see kong yet i've not seen kong yet how dare you but i did see 50 shades <laughs> darker damn weekend. it ben <laughs> Damn it, Ben. How dare you? Uh, well, what when I, when I, I wrote on my social media, I went, I, uh, I don't know if you probably didn't see this, I wrote, Saw 50 Shades Darker today, still have not seen John Wick. <laughs> and Tim Stevens just comments, he goes, you are raising this to an art form. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is pretty good trolling, I will it's say. It's amazing trolling. Um, but, you know, anyone who knows me knows
1: I love giant monsters. Yeah, I love King so. Kong, Godzilla, all that stuff. The new Kong. It was amazing and so good. Yep. And it just the time we're living in with, like, the potential for all the cool monster stuff is great. And this book is scratching those itches really, yeah, really well. It's sure. a lot of fun. So in here, you mentioned we are introduced to a bunch of new
2: monsters. New monsters. Kid Guy Monsters. And we know that we're going to have a Monsters Unleashed on- ongoing. ongoing series. With Kid Kaiju with Elsa Bloodstone and with all these new characters. So I want us to know, who designed the new monsters? I think when I remember getting the designs, I believe you know how there were five different artists who worked on on Monsters Unleashed, each of them designed wow. one of the five monsters. That's cool. So I forget who was attached to who, but they all formed together into one big giant Voltron monster. You spoiler! Gr- oh, that's a big spoiler. moment in this issue. Well, yeah, I figured we'd get to it at some point. Yeah, uh, but it's right, awesome. Yeah, let, let, you, let's, you've let's got the Leviathan mother. She's taken just. Ch- ch- destroying everything. And one of my favorite things in this book was the relationship, the friendship that's developed between Kid Kaiju and Moon Girl. They just get each other. That's going to be someone who Moon Girl can lean on. Elsa Bloodstone being a badass yes, but we know only she can. Uh, Kid Kaiju having to basically step it up. Basically the whole time he's been drawing all these monsters there's a great bit with Fin Fang Foom jawing with um, the mo- uh. the Leviathan mother and just being like "Ah, this is my planet to take over. Ah. So great. Um, I,
1: I like I legit got nervous because Leviathan Mother is huge to the point where Fin Fang Foom fits in her
3: mouth.
2: Yeah. And I was like no, don't Don't eat my boy. Don't eat Fin Fang Foom. Yeah, the monsters have just been great in this whole book. So we get all these new characters. Yeah, let's name them. Yeah. Okay. We've got uh, Scrag, uh,
1: who's just they're all awesome. Scrag, Hivo, uh Slizicks Slizik. Slizic. Slizic. Sli-zi- uh, the lettering here is I have to bring it closer to my face. Yeah. Fireclaw, Regis, yeah, Mekara, um, they're awesome. Fireclaw, he's got fire wolverine claws, I he's know. a
2: tiger lizard dude. Yeah unfortunately one of these characters does not make it very far um, yeah. and Kid Kaiju has to I just love the idea, I mean this is such wish fulfillment of even even weeding this little kid who, you know, he's the last hope for Earth. All these superheroes have fallen all these monsters have fallen, but we've still got this little kid with the power of his imagination and he creates these characters when these characters aren't enough that's when he Voltrons them up Yeah, he uh, forms them into this big super monster, they beat the crap out of Leviathan Mother and and that's yeah. a that's a really cool design in and of itself yeah. too. It's Taking attributes and just plussing them up. and It's awesome. I think Adam Kubrick designed it. I'm not uh, positive. Mm -hmm. We get Kid Kaiju celebrating with Moon Girl, deciding he's going to be more of a superhero now. Uh, We get a great epilogue, kind of showing where everything ended up, what the Inhumans did. A great send-off for the monsters who were just like standing there in mass, just being like, we hate all of you. Uh, We hated doing this. This team-up was terrible. Humans are the worst. We'll be back. Yeah, exactly. That's basically what it was. We will destroy your world look at this t-shirt kid kaiju's wearing i love that it's like an orgo t-shirt Ah, yeah it's cool um so there's a new status quo at the end for kid kaiju and for his family and for his monsters and obviously like we said it's going to be explored in the new ongoing series monsters unleashed it will be out in april from cullen Bunn and david balion yeah it's great stuff super fun great stuff. Alright, quick hits, guys. We're going to tell you a little bit about the rest of the comics that came out this week. First of all, we've got Captain America Sam Wilson, number 20, written by Nick Spencer, art by Paul Renaud. This is kind of a fallout of Ra- Rage's trial. Uh, it's a lot of Sam doing soul-searching and trying to figure out how he can help Rage after he's been convicted, talking to his brother, talking to all his allies. Rage gets in some bad oh my stuff God. while he's in prison, and Sam is just at the end of his rope, does not know how much longer he can go as Captain America. America. Yeah. Alright, we've got Daredevil number
1: 18 uh, written by Charles Soule, art by Ron Garney and Matt Mila. This continues the story of uh, how Daredevil got his secret identity back, how he got his groove back, his secret groove back, yep. and it involves Purple Man and the Purple Children, and it is as creepy and terrifying as you'd
2: expect. Deadpool the Duck, number five, is the end of the line for this book. Words by Stuart Moore. Pictures by jacopo Camagni. Colors by Israel Silva. Dr. Bong is in the house. Dr. Bong is great here. Uh, written very well. The whole question is, Can Deadpool, and Howard the Duck be separated back into their own forms. There's a super gross way in which they can do it. The art is perfect here. Bess Salt, who is the security officer, who's also related to the S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, who we've encountered. Um, Dr. Bong proposes to two separate people in this issue it's all it's wacky so good. <laughs> it's all wacky great. it's all great I love where Howard ends up uh, what a poor put upon duck he is yes Great Lakes Avengers number six
1: written by Zach Gorman art by Will Robson colors by Tamara Bonvalain uh, gorgeous gorgeous art by Will Robson so detailed uh, you've got the team uh, kind of the team they're all over the place uh, but they do need to come together to fight Dr. Nod uh, mm-hmm. by the end of the the issue, and Bertha, she's going to get her big
2: throwdown down hero moment. Guardians of the Galaxy, number 18, written by Brian Michael Bendis. Art by Valerio Oskitti. Color art by Richard Eisenhoff. This is a focus on Angela she uh, is done with the whole Civil War 2 thing. She's been rescued by the Guardians, so she is now back on Earth doing what she meant to do, and let's go look for Sarah and find out where Sarah went. Sarah has gone missing, and some dude in a Fantastic Four shirt is unable to tell Angela where Sarah is. Doesn't make her too happy. She goes and pose, poses on a gargoyle, and then she fights this creepy alien bounty hunter dude. It's probably some of the best action we get all week. Uh, Valeria Kitty draws the heck out of it. Just a great fight between them, and then by the end of the issue, she has back to the Guardians who are finally going to confront Thanos and get to the bottom of all this crap that's going on with uh, everything. It's, It's the last issue of Bendis' run coming up. Wow. Number 19. All right. Uh, we've got uh, Mighty Thor, number
1: 17, written by Jason Aaron, art by Russell Dodderman and Matt Wilson. Uh, it's part three of the Asgard-Shiar War. Uh, Thor is, she's pretty much had enough of the Shiar gods stuff. Oh, the worst. They are the worst. They are doing terrible things. She does not want to play their game. Uh, at the same time, the Shiar Imperial Guard, led by uh, Gladiator, mm-hmm. are going face-to-face against the Asgardian gods. It's a crazy battle. Uh, The Asgardians bring the Destroyer to the fight.
2: And that really... You don't bring a Destroyer to a Shi'ar fight. I like this bit. I like the bit with the person who set everything in motion. Um, The reveal there. The reveal? You were a few pages back, the person who came to the Shiar gods and ticked them off in the first place. Oh, right, right, yeah, right. That was pretty yes. good.
1: Yeah, it was great. Uh, but what I found even greater was the hint that we got at the last page. Mm. If you are a classic Thor fan, you have a good idea of what's coming. Yeah. I am excited.
2: Miss Marvel number sixteen, written by G. Willow Wilson, art by Takeshi Miyazawa, color art by Ian Herring. Uh, Miss Marvel is still dealing with this sentient Virus. We find out how the troll virus was created in the first place, um, and Miss Marvel's dealing with it. She this this is this Virus knows not only secrets about her, but secrets about her friends, which leads to a big huge huge supporting cast moment. Uh, Zoe does something incredibly brave. Uh, it's really well tackled by Well Wilson, both her telling Miss Marvel she has to do it, and then her actual handling of the thing. That to me was the the centerpiece of this issue. I love the Miss Marvel stuff, and I love who she ends up eventually calling for help, but really the Zoe and Nakia stuff just yeah. took it away, this issue, and reminded me why this Marvel is such a special book. Yep. All right. We've
1: got uh, Poe Dameron, number 12, another Star Wars title. This is uh, Part 5 of The Gathering Storm, written by Charles Soule, art by Phil Noto. Uh, awesome hero moment in here for th- C-3PO. Awesome hero moment yeah. in here for BB-8. Uh, there's a jerk moment in here for, uh, what's his name? The other droid, right? Yeah, it's like Nostrix. He's a jerk. N- 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 Zix, sorry. Yep. Uh, for I love C-3PO, and the C-3PO is my favorite. It's great. There's like a thing who's like, wait a minute. I got an idea. Yeah. You guys keep going. That's not how I'll C-3PO take care of, of this. He's like, That's I'm the, C3PO. The
2: worst C-3- I'm not a huge Star Wars I'm guy. I'm a protocol droid. I am not a huge Star Wars guy. I don't know if you knew that. But that is not C3PO's voice. How, uh, human, da- how dare you, sir? Human cyborg relations. And, uh, I'm uh, fluent in like uh, 5 million forms you know of what? communication. I, I still have not seen Rogue One. Oh, uh, oh. <laughs> get out. Yes. But I saw Fistfight. <laughs> What is wrong with you? <laughs> What's going on?
1: Uh, anyway, uh, you know, crazy stuff as uh, Poe is
2: fighting Terex. The stakes get even higher as the Black Squadron shows up. It's, it's super fun. Meanwhile, in The Punisher, number 10, written by Becky Cloonan, art by Matt Horak, colors Frank Martin with Guru EFX, uh, there's violence. There's horribleness, uh, Condor is having a power struggle where Olaf is trying to take over. Face is being dragged across the country by, uh, by the uh, FBI agent who he wronged, uh, Agent Ortiz. Uh, the people that Frank blew up are wanting to get revenge on him. Punisher is killing everybody. This is a great scene where he's usually using, using oh a my bear gosh. trap as like a, I don't know what you call it, like a mace basically, swinging it around. It's amazing. Uh, it's so violent, so bloody, so terrible. The art's really good. Um, terrible in the, like, the things that he does to Yeah, people. terrible in things he does. Not in terms of the quality of the issue, but um... Yeah, the art by Matt Horak is really uh, some cool. Yeah, and it it evokes Steve Dillon in
1: really cool ways. It's it's a great tribute. Um, All right, we've got Spider-Man number 14. Uh, It's part five of Sitting in a Tree. Uh, The cover is actually in the book. Mm -hmm. It's Miles Morales and Gwen Stacy in their wedding clothes. It's in the book. That's yep. all I'm going to say. Yeah. I'm uh, like
2: that cable Red Skull fight that I didn't get to see. But, Jerry. Uh, Miles.
1: Jerry. <laughs> Miles and – I'm sorry if that was too loud for yeah, anyone. Sorry, guys. Miles and Gwen are bopping around the multiverse. Uh, they're trying to look for Miles' dad. What – I love anytime you throw little glimpses into alternate realities. Oh, so it so Just fun. tickles me pink. Yeah, uh, it's, it's like it's, some sliders stuff, you know. Oh, yeah, sliders,
2: sliders. Oh, Exiles, so good. Uh, we've got Spider Man Noir. We've got zombies. <laughs> did you just, I'm sorry, timeout. Did you just, Nick? Did you just make a motion like you were sliding and then you were eating a slider? And do you know the TV show Sliders?
4: Yes, yeah. yes, and no.
2: Oh. Wow, God! No, so, don't feel so bad about me seeing Fist Fight yeah, now. Jerry O'Connell is yeah.
1: spinning in his grave right yeah. now.
2: Yeah,
3: is <laughs> he dead?
1: Anyway, <Look it> up. <laughs> let's continue. Uh, just super fun issue, and then it
2: ends. The last page is this. The the moment it's like, what is happening? Oh man. U.S. Avengers, number four. It's a one-and-done issue featuring the return of American Kaiju. It's so cool. We get a bunch of little mini covers within. It's written by Al Ewing. It's drawn by T- Paco Medina, inked by Juan Velasco, and colored by Jesus Abertov. The new Red Hulk, Robert L. Maverick, goes after American Kaiju, who has gone rabid. Uh, Maverick is just a great character. I mean, he's basically Tom Selleck as a Hulk which is tremendous. Uh, he's, he's Magnum P.I. as a Hulk. And how could he get any better than that? Uh, he encounters Deadpool, who has been turned into, like, a Frankenstein monster creature. And they fight. And this is uh, Victor Van Doom. Now, get this. Van Dam. No, is it Van, Van Doom. Doom. It's, oh, it's Van Doom. Doom. But get this. Yeah. Because I've been reading T.J. Deitch's exhaustive... Uh, articles about all the monsters and monsters unleashed. Where would people read those? They could read that right on Marvel.com. Go to Unleash the Beasts. Um, and Because I've been reading those, uh, I knew that this guy Van Doom is actually an existing character who predated Victor Von Doom, who created a monster only known as Van Doom's monster, who appeared in Monsters Unleashed. Huh. So that's one to grow on, but Deadpool fights the Red Hulk. Van Doom tries to get up to nefarious actions. Uh, Marvel Comics presents Wham! Dawn of Justice. Tremendous Just, stuff. There's all Just these so one-page, yeah, like sight gags, fake covers, yep. two issues in the middle. It's such a fun book. Yeah, I love when Deadpool Deadpool cover here for Monsters in S.H.I.E.L.D. Omega, a giant monster dressed as America is about to kill me. I'm trapped in a political cartoon. <laughs> and then the Red Hulk comes stomping in. This is just pure fun. Uh, shouldn't be thinking for anything else. And at the end of the issue, the fun stops. Dun, dun, dun. Because someone shows up. Dad. Yeah, basically, Dad shows up to end the party. Yep. All right, we've got Uncanny
1: X-Men number nineteen, final issue of this uh, run of the series, written by Colin Bond, art by Edgar Salazar and Ed Tadeo, uh, Ulysses Ariola on colors, and this is knockdown, dragout fight, Psylocke versus Magneto for all the marbles. Ding ding ding. This is WrestleMania three. Yeah. Andre the Giant versus Hulk Hogan. Who's who? Uh... Andre the Giant is Magneto. Hulk Hogan is Psylocke. Yep, you got it. Uh, But it's it's awesome fight. It's really great. You get to see it from both their perspectives. You get to see like the ideologies the the decisions that Psylocke has made, the decisions that Magneto's made. You get a little hint about where the rest of the cast is going (laughs) after. The art on this book got my attention. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Edgar Salazar, uh, Tadeo, and Ulysses Ariola. This is a team to watch. Real good, Um, but it gets to a moment at the near the end and I was like wait what that was a great like showstopper moment yeah, so it basically. was really cool and it, it was a great way to sort of finish out this series and it, it springs a character going forward but uh, it,
2: was, it was awesome crazy last but not least we got Venom number 5 written by Mike Costa sick art by Gerardo Sandoval and Ivan Coelho Color art by Dono Sanchez Amara, Israel Silva, and Andres Mosa. The current Venom host battles against Spider-Man. Spider-Man basically gets involved in a big Venom versus Scorpion battle. Uh, It does not end well for him. The current host thinks he's got a plan. He goes to the uh, FBI agent who's been helping him out. He's going to turn in evidence on the black cat. He's going to do all this great stuff. He kidnaps the black cat's lackey. It does not turn out well for him. It goes all topsy-turvy fire gets involved, and then the last page is the big return of someone who's crucial to the Venom mythos. Is it me? It's not you. Oh. Sorry. That's too bad. So sorry. Yep. That is the books on sale this week. The collections on sale this week are Avengers The Initiative of the Complete Collection Volume 1 Deadpool Classic, Volume 17, Headcannon. Excalibur Epic Collection, Volume 1, The Sword is Drawn. Which is
1: awesome because it's Great. just like, yeah.
2: let's let's start collecting Excalibur. Yep, Boom. should be. Uh, Marvel Universe Avengers Ultron Revolution, Volume 2, Digest, Unbelievable Gwenpool, Volume 2, Head of MODOK, Wolverine vs. the Marvel Universe, and the Women of Power, Standy Punch-Out book. We're making all sorts of things. I don't know what that is, but know, it, sounds man, it sounds great. sounds uh,
1: great. digital comics on sale this week include the books we talked about as well as a special edition of Monsters Unleashed number 5 with all kinds of back matter and and you know different kinds of uh special editiony stuff. Yeah, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. As well as issue 6 of the slapstick infinite comic on sale on the Marvel app. Additionally, we've got Fantastic 4 55 through 59 at 514 through 526 of the run that started in 1997. Mm -hmm. We've got Ghost Rider 6 through 9 from the 2011 run. Is that Alejandra? I think that's Alejandra. Okay. Uh, Peter Parker the Spectacular Spider-Man from the 70s issues 43 through 54, 85, 128 through 129, 189, and 200. And What If issues 40 and through 42 and 44 through 47 of the original what if run
2: digital collections on sale this week we've got deadpool classic volume 17 headcanon excalibur epic collection the sword is drawn gwenpool the unbelievable volume 2 head of modok marvel universe avengers Ultron revolution volume 2 wolverine versus the marvel universe mighty marvel women of marvel moon knight countdown to dark spider-man animal magnetism what if classic volume 7 And Women of Marvel Volume Two. Yeah, man. On the
1: Marvel Unlimited, you've got a Year of Marvels. September Infinite Comic Number One, All New All Different Avengers Number Fourteen, Civil War Two Ulysses Infinite Comic Number Five, Daredevil Number Eleven, Deadpool Too Soon Infinite Comic Number Five, Deadpool and the Mercs for Money Number Three. Doctor Strange number eleven, Invincible Iron Man number thirteen, Marvel Tsum Tsum number two, Marvel Universe Avengers Ultron Revolution number three, Marvel's Doctor Strange Prelude Infinite Comic number one, Moon Knight number six, Silk number twelve, Spidey number ten, Squadron Supreme number eleven, Star Wars Poe Dameron number six, Uncanny X Men number twelve, Warlock in the Infinity Watch one through six and eleven through seventeen, Warlock Chronicles number three, and X
2: Men curse of the mutants blade number one well done sir all right that is the comics that are on sale this week let's go to my chat with nick Lowe. then let's go to the west coast then let's go to our chat with craig kyle we're not gonna do news the news is me (gasps) that's my segment you already did the news i already did the news i recorded the news already that's what i talked to nick about great yeah new format man i like it yeah it's it's all going great we'll be back to talk a little x23 after all of that goodness now, from Marvel Headquarters, it's This Week in
3: Marvel News!
2: Hey guys, Ben Morse here uh, for the news portion of This Week in Marvel with an old friend, Aww. an old ally... Huh? Hey everybody! The, I've got Nick Lowe with me. Nick, how are you? Doing great. Hey everybody! It's been a while. It's been, a, it has been a while. Yeah. And you're this, this is your first appearance on the uh, newly formatted this week in it's Marvel, true. where we have a whole news section. Love it! And I want to bring you in because there's so much Spider-Man news <sighs> to talk about. There and sure you are is. the guy when it comes to Spider-Man. It's true. So let's start. Let's As start. I tell my off.
0: kids I'm Spider-Man's boss.
2: Yeah. How do they react to that?
0: Not impressed. Not, well. Not impressed. Not impressed. Not <laughs> impressed. Give them time. They don't really know what bosses are yet. Yeah. They're three and one. So. Do, do they know what Spider-Man is? Yes. They do. Yep. Lois Excellent. knows him as Spider-Man. My son George goes... Pie Man! That's like good. Like pie Man. which pie actually, Man's pretty I not bad at all. <laughs> yeah, actually,
2: that's a that's a great new idea. Yep. Credit to George. Okay, uh, let's make sure he gets the credit Indeed. due to him, please. Um, but hey, let's talk about, you just finished a big event, Clone Conspiracy. <sighs> what is the fallout coming out of this event? What ha- how has this affected Peter Parker? How has this affected his friends, his family, his enemies? How is this going to stress things going forward?
0: Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank... Uh, for those of you out there who've been reading Spider-Man and read Clone Conspiracy, thank you so much for coming along on that journey. It was really good. Thank you. I told Dan Slott that. I yeah. probably shouldn't have. No, no. But I'm glad I, you did. But, but it, I'll tell it, you It now. was one of the craziest events that I've ever been involved with. It's it, one of the darkest events I've ever been mm-hmm. involved with that went to some really challenging emotional places. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, it one of the reasons why I love it so much is that it, it feels very much unlike other things that we've done mm-hmm. where it, it gets into territory where you're, the hero doesn't really know what to do for most of it because right. it's so complicated morally sure. so ethically and and it seems like what the villain is doing is a very good idea mm. uh, in some ways at least and so I, I loved how troubling that was and basically the, the outcome of it is really difficult for Peter to handle I mean he got to see many of his loved ones come back and spoiler alert a lot of them just die horribly yeah. in front of him right um, and it, so it made him go to emotional places that he never expected to have to go to again. Um, and it also, in the saving the day portion of it, he did something very drastic that really could hurt his company. So he's the, as as you all know, I presume, <laughs> he is the CEO of Parker Industries, you know, global technology firm. They make webwares, which are, you know, these like a, you know, phone watches mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. that everyone in the world basically has. Right. And in the end of it, he he had to use them to try and save the day because this carrion virus was going worldwide, but it also kind of like shorted out or like mess with everyone's little phone watch. And so it's kind of like there the you know, names that won't be spoken technology companies today that have major problems that need recalls and mm. that are, you know, damaging to health. So Parker Industries is in a tough spot. And that makes Peter's general emotional health even worse. And to top it all off. We know what we showed at the end of our uh, Clone Conspiracy Omega, our, our kind of epilogue issue, mm-hmm. is that he dealt with Kingpin a few times within Clone Conspiracy, and Kingpin basically gave him the location of the scariest person in Spider-Man history, Norman Osborn. Mm. And so with that, on top of all these other things, it has Peter in a very vulnerable and very uh, emotional and, you know, ready to strike out at anything place mm-hmm. in his life. Mm-hmm. And so that's what issue 25, Amazing Spider-Man issue 25 that came up today as we're recording this. I'm yep. so excited because it's huge it's and good it's crazy too. and it's big yeah. and nuts. Uh, and it kicks off a kind of a whole new story arc and kind of story family that we're doing in Amazing, like post-Clone conspiracy time, which I'm super excited about. Stuart imminent on art. I'm kissing my doing the kiss exploding yeah. thing you know
2: that's a very Italian thing exactly I exactly yeah. I love that's
0: the Italians where it great sisters. people love the Italians yep. no problem with them great people yeah. I, but yeah so that's really, That's what's going on in Amazing Spider-Man we're, we're digging back into Norman Osborn kind of trying to we're paying off the, the really great promise at the end of Superior Spider-Man where you saw Norman with a different face heading mm-hmm. off into the world and said you know Spider-Man like you may think you've faced the most dangerous Green Goblin you've ever faced but you've never faced a sane Norman Osborn Mm. so we're we're paying that off in this arc finally very excited to be doing that Um, but yeah but that book it gets it just keeps getting better I want to
2: circle back around to Amazing in a minute Sure. before we do that I want to talk about some of the other characters kind of falling out of Clone Conspiracy and the biggest, probably, is the returned Ben Riley, who we've seen in a couple epilogues. You know, he's getting his own book by Peter David and Mark Bagley called Scarlet Spider. What can you tell us about how the event left Ben and what he's got in store?
0: Yeah. Well, Ben, we found out that Ben was masquerading as the jackal. He'd taken mm. that identity for himself, uh, and he was trying to make the world a better place in a lot of ways, only... He's kind of messed up in the head. He mm. is not all there because the jackal, in re cloning him, did all kinds of horrible things to sure. him. Uh, he killed him many, many, many times, and that did not leave Ben in the most emotionally stable place right and i
2: think that's something not not everyone is getting because you know there was so much action going on in the cloak conspiracy there wasn't necessarily enough time to completely unpack like the trauma he's been through yeah and it's not just okay he's back and he's a villain there was a whole process that got him to this
0: place absolutely and he's he's going to be ongoing he's going to be a very complicated character Mm. you know we're trying we're really leading into what the jackal did to him and what he's going through and how he's going to react to this big plan that for a couple of years he'd been hatching and planning and mm-hmm. trying to do what he thought was making the world better saving the world you know, basically freeing us from the restraints of death mm-hmm. and I uh, should he have been doing it? Probably not. Mm-hmm. But he—it was everything he was building towards, and Spider-Man once again, you know, brought it crashing down to its foundation. And what does he do now? And the events, everything that he lived through in Clone Conspiracy, kind of uh, made a made a, a psyche that was already damaged even worse.
2: Yeah, and it strikes me that you know he got to kind of play the bad guy during Clone Conspiracy, but he's going to be the main player in his own ongoing series. Which yeah. certainly puts some demands on a protagonist more than just somebody shuffling along
0: trying to punch Spider-Man in the face. Absolutely. And what, what Peter David does so well is he, he, he brings complicated characters to the fore. Mm-hmm. Nobody's one-dimensional when Peter David's writing them, and, uh, mm. and that's one of the reasons why we wanted him for this book was to give him some really complex characters to dig into and to do some crazy stuff and so in that book and i'll talk a little bit more about it than we probably have Mm -hmm. you've got this very damaged ben Riley at the center of it trying to find his way in the world and going about it in a very very different way than you've ever seen before um he is he doesn't have the same ethics and morals that he used to or that peter has and so what he does is, is very twisted in a lot of ways. You've got Kane on his tail. The I other was going to ask spider. for Kane's whereabouts, Indeed. So he's, he's in this book. He's in this book. He is, uh, you know, kind of almost the second main character, and it's kind of like, you know, the, the fugitive. He's the Tommy mm. Lee Jones to Ben nice. Harris, crazy Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so he is on Ben's heels. Uh, From for much of the early part of the series, you've got Ben setting up home in a new place. You've got new villains that he's facing, mm-hmm. uh, all kinds of different challenges as he's even just trying to survive in this world. Mm-hmm. And it you cannot predict where this book goes. It's absolutely fascinating and twists and turns and, and craziness. And Mark Bagley's drawing Oh, and Mark Bagley is drawing it. He's such a back dream in the to spider office. With. Back oh. finally, finally we finally got him Long back. Long last exactly. And Mark is such a consummate storyteller. and He and Peter have never worked together before. Wow. So oh, the wow. first time they work together, and it's That's working so cool. great. They're both having a great time with it, with each other. Um... They're both such pros, mm-hmm. uh, and so it's, it's just been a joy to work on, and I can't wait to people start reading it and get their minds blown.
2: Absolutely. Who else is kind of coming out of Clone Conspiracy changed? I know definitely Jonah Jameson oh, yeah. had some stuff happen to him. Yep. Silk was involved. But who? what other stragglers are we going to see straggling out of uh, Clone Conspiracy yeah. and
0: making a mark? A lot of tough stuff happened to Prowler. In there, you get to see in in, the, in his issue six of his series what it's kind of done to him. Mm-hmm. Um, Aunt May went oh, through yeah. a little a bit of a ringer in there. Mm, her yeah. second husband, Jay Jameson, died at the mm-hmm. right before it started, um, and so that that didn't go well. You'll see some effects on for those of you who read Amazing Spider-Man twenty-five. Mm-hmm. Betty Brant, uh, we learned that you know that that Ned, her her, her late husband Ned, mm-hmm. leads. Uh, he called her at one point during yes. it, and that's going to lead to some some big stories that we've got coming down the road, um, and we've got who else was affected in a big way in there. Those are the biggest ones. Yeah, Spider-Gwen, it ha- it'll have some effect on. She's in, She was in Clone Conspiracy um oh oh and uh and the, there's some big stuff at the at the end of amazing Spider-Man 25 again this will come out well after well yeah that, so i think we talk about that let's the, that's what I, that, oh, that yes. was what i was building that's to. Big one.
2: that was my big crescendo
0: all yeah, right so it, we've band- got
2: now i'm finally catching up we've got some big stuff for doc ock indeed what i love now is that doc ock he's no longer just a villain in the Spider-Man mythos. He's almost become a Mm co-star. Like, he's that integral to Dan's work on Spider-Man. It's like, whatever's happening to him is... He's 1A to whatever's happening to Peter. Yeah. So... Please, talk about the next step for Doc Ock and Absolutely. how he is still part of the Spider-Man world.
0: Yep. You'll be seeing him in upcoming issues of Amazing Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the background for a couple issues, but then we're leading up to, uh, we're doing three issues tying into Secret Empire. Mm-hmm. And Peter's main adversary is going to be Doc Ock. Doc Ock
2: the, the versus The superior
0: Peter. octopus. Oh my goodness. I can't wait to, for you guys to see what happens in them. They're Crazy. Uh, we just had a long l- long lunch meeting with Dan, going over some final details on have? that. I uh, We go to this great place called Ted's quite okay, often. Okay, okay. The Red Rock Chicken Sandwich. Very I heartily nice. recommend it. Okay, great. And if you're ever there and you look across and you see me and, and Dan Slot, hello. feel free to come yeah. over and say hello. Maybe pay for your lunch. That would be great. No, no gifts are accepted. Oh, no, no. Okay. <laughs> Don't want to get you in trouble. But, uh... But, but yeah, but it was but we, we, huge plans for su- the Superior Octopus. Nice. I mean, you know how much Dan loves out of Octavius. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and f- very much a big part of Dan's ongoing plans, which are epic and crazy. Um, but I think you guys are going to love those three issues especially. Cool. Well, that's we, we covered a lot. Yeah. We covered a lot of ground, a lot of characters. Is there anything else, anyone else you want to talk to about? Well, we've got, uh, as far as, like, the, the main amazing book, I think that pretty much covers it but we've also got uh, an amazing new book called Peter Parker the Spectacular yes. Spider-Man yeah 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 written by Chip Zdarsky Is that coming uh, it is in June. June. Chip Sidarski's cool. writing it. Adam Kubert is drawing it. Mm. It is so good. You get your first taste of it on Free Comic Book Day mm-hmm. with a short story. And then issue one is in June, the month after Free Comic Book Day. And it is basically... We built that because there's so much big, crazy stuff going on in Dan's book. that that I mean, any issue you could pick up and start with. We always make sure we have a recap page, and Dan is always very good at holding people's hand, sure. bringing people up to speed. But what you see in there isn't very close to the Spider-Man that you might see in a movie or a TV show or all that kind of stuff and Mm -hmm. so we wanted to launch this new Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man as an easier point of entry for people Um, it's very much in continuity with Amazing Spider-Man we had a, a couple months ago at Ted's over oh, Red Rock man. chicken sandwiches everything chip happens was in town teds. it's true we had lunch with Dan and chip and our editorial team that's working on all right. this uh, you know mapping out you know what the overlap with these books are how they intertwine and all that kind of stuff so very much in continuity but leaning less on Dan's story than what Dan does in amazing with Stuart Eminen and in all those art teams cool. it's so great it's funny it's hardcore at times uh, it's a really terrific book great. spectacular um, we got that going on. Um, we what else? Spider Gwen going strong, mm-hmm. having a great time with that book. Still, we we're in the we're in the middle of sitting uh, sitting in a tree, which is a crossover mm-hmm. with Spider Man. Speaking of other books, Spider Man, the Miles Morales book. Ooh, boy, are there good stuff coming up there. Like I said, we're wrapping up the crossover between Spider-Man and Spider-Gwen, and both books coming out the other side have even bigger stories coming up. Sure. Um, and just read one of uh, Brian Michael Bendis' scripts for uh, for Spider-Man number 16, which starts a new arc and is just it, it hits you right in the heart hmm. this issue it's really it hits to get you hit right in the heart and it, you know some uh, so many times brian tells these big stories that when that are always awesome but when you get to the end of them you, you feel like you're missing something then he comes in with like an issue or two where it like brings it way back down to ground hmm. to a very human level and these issues are doing that in a big way awesome. uh, and just like it, it, they'll be tugging at your heartstrings. Making you feel such huge emotions for oh. Miles and his family, right. um, but some great stuff coming up in that book oh. as well. Um, Venom is Venom. huge right Big now. Big stuff happening oh, in Venom. Man, great stuff. We're you know leading up to Eddie Brock's return. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just uh, everyone I think probably just got her next week be reintroduced to Eddie Brock it's this week this week I read all the books it's, like I always do you're a good man Ben <laughs> you're a good man and leading up to Venom 150 mm, huge oh, it's so huge uh, Trad Moore is drawing that yes. issue yes oh what it a treat is nuts it's so good Ben it is so Trad is just a dream he's amazing and the work he's doing is nuts nice um, but Venom is great uh, Silk still awesome. Robbie Thompson, Tana Ford, doing great work on that book. Um, all kinds of great stuff, yeah. and there's there so many more tricks up our sleeve coming up, man. You guys are consistently putting out
2: excellent stuff from the Spider Office. You Thank are you, you are the team to beat. I you agree. Um,
0: do you want to get one last plug in for Ted's? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Swing by Ted's at lunch. <laughs> Not just bison. That's that's a, my my suggested that's tagline for them. Not, not just, just bison. bison. Thank you very much for stopping by, Nick. Bison bison. It's the West Coast, show me
3: and the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, show me and the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, show me and the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, show me and the Wolfman. It's, Wolf, it's the West Coast, baby. Yeah, yeah.
4: Why? Hello there. This week in Marvelites. This is Marvel.com editor Mark Strom, joined by...
5: Assistant (laughs) editor Christine Den.
4: And you are listening to the smooth sounds of Stromstein. Today... Today...
3: I don't
6: know what's happening. Who let you in here? Today...
2: We are joined
4: by Becca McIntosh from the games team. Becca, say hello to our delightful listeners.
6: Hello, delightful listeners. Becca,
4: tell people a little bit about what you do on the games team.
6: So I, my official title, if we're going to be fancy, is operations manager. Uh, all I really do is I just make, uh, make sure everything arrives at the train station on time, kind of like a central nervous system for the producers, the creative team, the business team.
4: I was trying to think of a central nervous system joke and I can't.
6: (laughs) It's hard to make a joke about that.
4: All right. Well, (laughs) Becca, you are here to chat with us about games news. What news do we have in the games world today?
6: Well, unless you've been living under a rock, <laughs> and I don't know where Stromstein lives.
4: Under a rock.
6: <laughs> okay. Uh, we just made some huge announcements for Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, the Telltale series at PAX East. Uh, we revealed our voiceover cast, um, which have some of my personal games video favorites, like Nolan North. <clears throat> um, we also. Is he
4: by chance related to uh, Nor- Nolan South? No. Nolan East. No. Kanye West. Maybe. Okay.
6: <laughs> we also got to show some uh, screenshots, some concept art, give some more background on the original story with all of your favorite guardians, plus a few surprises. Bill Roseman, the famous, illustrious, amazing Bill Roseman was there at the panel, and um, And they are also going to be today. If you're in Austin, you should run to South by Southwest and catch world premiere gameplay, uh, crowd play of the first episode. That's going to be great.
4: That's terrific, Becca. I hear we also have some updates on Future Fight and Contest of Champions.
6: Ooh. All right. Well, let's talk Future Fight because I'm addicted to that. So they rolled out an update.
4: That's not good.
6: It is good. It's Future Fight.
4: Addiction's not healthy.
6: All right. All right. (laughs) To games, I don't know. I might argue the case. But Future (laughs) Fight has dropped uh, quite a few new characters, including Hellcat, straight Mm -hmm. from the comics. She's got that cool yellow suit. Uh, We have Kid Kaiju, straight from Monsters Unleashed. We have Robbie Reyes, Ghost Rider, and he does some really, really cool moves in that game.
3: Excuse
4: me, but when yes. you are recording with Stromstein, yes, uh, you must say it.
6: Ghost Rider! <laughs> uh, I think you did that wonderfully. I could never match that. I'll cue you. Okay, so that that'll be sufficient. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay, so Robbie Reyes Ghost Rider has some really cool moves. He looks amazing. Um, we also have a, a variant. Costume or uniform, as it call as it is called in that game, for Marvel's Iron Fist, um, which is premiering soon today. Today, I mean tw- at midnight, so it already happened. <laughs> oh, dang! Well, go watch that too. And they also are bringing in. You know, what's really cool about Future Fight is they do their own take on, like, the move sets. And so you'll see these guys rip straight from the comics or the TV series. And then just, bam, there they are doing these awesome moves. It's, do you play? I have not. Okay, so she's dead to us for, like, a minute. (laughs) You need to play this game, (coughs) Christy. I know. I will tonight. Okay. There'll be a quiz in the morning. I'll skip everything and play.
4: And what about Psylocke, Becca?
6: You just ruined my, like, (laughs) punchline. Do you have a cool, like, cue for Psylocke?
3: Psylocke.
6: Okay, no. Uh, Marvel Contest of Champions has released. She's now available. Psylocke. It's an original take on her costume. Kabam put their own spin on it. She looks amazing. And let's just say a woman with a sword can definitely kick some butt in contest. And life. Definitely in life. Psylocke.
4: (laughs) Ah, Crap. Um, you didn't record anything. Ah, uh, yeah, we gotta start over.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Yay, good rehearsal, guys! Nope, just kidding,
4: everyone. We <laughs> recorded. Thank you, Becca, for joining us. <laughs>
6: You're so mean. I love it.
4: I just like to torture you guys. <laughs> uh, all right, thank you so much, Becca, thank for you. joining us. Uh, and uh, now let's move on to some movies and TV news. And maybe I'll drop the accent from here on out. Maybe I won't. Who knows? Yes, we- so Christine, what we got? What we got going on this week? Well, you know what? I'm gonna kick this off because what we got going on this week is the uh, the premiere of Marvel's Iron Fist. Yep. All episodes streaming only on Netflix right now. Tons of kung fu superhero flying through the air, yeah. kicking people, punching people with his iron fist. His fist <laughs> made of iron, punching through walls, punching.
5: Punching everything.
4: Punching everything. I mean, that's his. That's kind of his thing. Is like he's got a big old fist. And for a
5: very zen person. it's a lot of punching. There's a lot of punching for a very zen person. <laughs>
4: uh, but, like I said, all episodes streaming now, only on Netflix. Wait is finally over. You can finally see the final Defender. Um, and, of course, you know, this all leads up to Marvel's The Defenders, which will be coming uh, a little later this year. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I don't know if there's anyone... Oh, I can say uh, we will have some um, interviews from the red carpet with the cast and creators of Marvel's Iron Fist. Um, Those will probably be rolling out uh, in the next few days from when you are listening to this. Mm -hmm. So keep your eye on our YouTube channel for that. And I think that's it for Iron Fist. Yes. What else do else, else we have gone on in the wonderful world of television?
5: In the world of FX, we just announced... Well, not we. Well, we, along with FX, announced that Legion has been picked up for season two. Season two. If you guys have been uh, catching up, uh, this past week saw a really intense episode that involves... All the the dark spots of David Howler's mind.
4: So I have not. I am not completely caught up on the actual episodes, but I've read all the scripts and everything. Was mm-hmm. this most recent episode the creepy one where they're like wandering through David's?
5: This is a, a wandering the mental hospital where Lenny's in charge.
4: Uh, wait, that's this episode. Mm-hmm. Okay.
5: There was that awesome dance number where <laughs> Lenny just goes room to room dancing like flash dance style.
4: Lenny's a weirdo, man.
5: She is very intense.
4: <laughs> um, yes, and uh, the preview for next week kind of uh, hinted that a major, uh, well, a, a, a another character from the X universe yeah. has been sort of hiding in the hiding in the shadows, you could say.
5: Correct. Uh,
4: mm-hmm. Of of the show so far, so there's
5: been a lot of clues along the way,
4: and that's uh, that. Yeah, things are things are definitely going up. It's a very awesome show. Very excited that we will be getting a uh, second season of it. No Hawley and everyone uh, mm-hmm. is doing fantastic. Aunt um, Dan Stevens, uh, fun story. Uh, I'm getting my haircut this weekend because everyone insists I need a haircut. I don't know why. I think my hair looks marvelous.
5: <laughs> Are you but, asking for the Dan Stevens haircut?
4: Yes, <laughs> yes. My my lady friend has insisted that I get quote Dan Stevens hair. So,
5: so like Dan Stevens or the Beast or I think I think I
4: think from from what she said, this is Dan Stevens, circa Downton Abbey hair. So, fun fact: (laughs) I will soon have "quote unquote" Dan Stevens hair. (laughs) Um,
5: You should tell him that.
4: This week, though, we also have a season premiere, correct? Or not a season premiere, but a new episode.
5: It's a new episode. Season premiere
4: was last week. Yes. That's right.
5: So we have a new episode of Marvelous Guardians of the Galaxy um, Season 2. It's called Lying Eyes, where Rocket and Drax wake up, and they have no memory of what happened um, the night before. So the Guardians have to piece together what happened on the latest adventure and pretty much save... The, uh, the galaxy from being destroyed. So tune in this Saturday at 9 p.m. on Disney XD. All
4: right. And uh, speaking of Guardians, we also had that n- brand spank a new uh, Gardens of the Galaxy Volume 2 spot this week.
3: Yes.
4: In which uh, the was team was renamed the Gardens of the Galaxy, according yeah. to Nebula, <laughs> because that makes some sense in Nebula's mind, I guess. <laughs>
5: totally. You know, the galaxy has plenty of. Gardens.
4: Gardening. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, that movie comes out May 5th, Cinco de Mayo. Coming less up less than two soon. weeks away. It's about, what, like six, six, seven weeks away? Something like that? Yeah. Something like that. It's very close. Uh, very excited for that. Of course, I'm sure you'll be getting more of that in the coming weeks and months and all that jazz.
5: And if you can't get enough of Guardians, there's uh, the, a bunch of Groot and Rocket shorts on disney's XD's youtube channel and they're up
4: yes and they're very uh there are some very excellent shorts inspired by the artwork of um scotty young who did that rocket and groot series it's very cute um highly recommend checking those out
5: that's it that's it for this week
4: all right so uh also i think ours is in the next twim urc Right? We were told to pick one, so I assume yes. that means that ours is next. we so. next,
5: because they finally did it after slacking off for like three, four weeks.
4: Oh, slackers. <laughs> All right, so in keeping with the theme of um, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and their alternate reality slash what-if scenario coming up when the show comes back April 4th, uh, Tuesday, April 4th, ten nine central on ABC, uh, we chose a couple of alternate reality uh, stories, a couple of uh, stories that have oh, a special place in my heart because um, some of you may remember about five, six years ago, I guess, we did a series of uh, noir miniseries, which mm-hmm. reimagined um, a lot of our heroes as noir char- characters in noir type uh, mystery or, or sayings, things like that. So we're doing Luke Cage noir and
5: Punisher, Punisher
4: noir. <laughs> Keeping keep it in, keep in the Netflix vein. Mm-hmm. Um, so check those out with us. They are some great stuff. Uh, Puncher Noir is written by Frank Thierry, uh, drawn by Paul Azaceta. Uh, and you know what? We should get Frank. I'm going to try and get Frank Thierry.
5: Oh, my gosh. I, I good... love listening to him. I
4: think I think we should try <laughs> and get Frank Thierry on to discuss these with us. Yes. Because uh, Frank is always entertaining, and I think that would be a blast. We're going to try and make this happen. So <laughs> maybe we will have Frank on with us in a couple of weeks to talk about these. And uh, uh, Cage Noir is written by uh, Mike Benson and Adam Glass, and drawn by Sean Martinborough. So
3: awesome.
4: Great. Check out those. Join us in a couple of weeks. Hopefully, we'll have Frank with us. He will probably just spend the entire time just, like, slinging invectives in my direction. But, hey, we'll have a good time.
5: <laughs> that a lot of, like, need edit. <laughs> like yeah, edit. That,
4: yeah, Christina will have a blast editing <laughs> that podcast. Um, all right. Uh, say hello to those guys in New York, and we'll talk to you next week.
3: T-W-I-M-U-R-C 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 This Week in Marvel Unlimited
2: Reading Club! Okay, welcome back. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, Ryan, we are now going to go to our conversation with Craig Kyle, the creator of X23.
1: Yeah, he is
2: a delight. Yeah.
1: We've known him a long time. It's It's just... Talking to him and getting behind the scenes on X-23 is
2: Italian chef
1: kissing his fingers.
2: Italian chef kissing his fingers, indeed. Quick reminder, guys, we hope the audio quality of this is good. If not, please forgive us. And also, remember, if you're going to WonderCon, please uh, go say hi to Craig. Say we sent you. Yeah. All right, here we go. And say thanks for creating X-23. Yeah, that too. Craig Kyle is with us. Craig, how you doing?
7: Woo! Uh, Really good, guys. Really, really good. Great to be here. I miss you guys. And uh, yeah, it's a pleasure to pop on and talk to you guys and uh, answer some of the fans' questions.
2: Can you tell us about anything you're up to in your daily life right now? Or is everything just shrouded in eight degrees of secrecy?
7: Uh you know, uh, yeah, uh, all the good stuff I pretty much can't talk about, but, um, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, since I stepped away from Marvel full-time to focus on writing, you know, Chris and I uh, uh, worked on uh, Thor Ragnarok for uh, over a year. Right. Um, then uh, I went on to go do uh, some work on the remake of Blue Thunder, and we'll see if that season light of day for Sony. Oh cool. Uh and being a big gamer, I was with the Activision folks for a while helping out with the Call of Duty franchise, but then the real highlight of that uh, journey was working with the guys in Seattle on Destiny, which I did over a year of work on and off of those guys. And um, you know, uh we're all fans uh, at most nice. you know we all we're, we're lovers of this stuff first and that's that's the first time in a long time I walked into a building and I just completely geeked out. So nice. uh, that was really amazing. And then there are some uh, other projects that I'm wildly excited about that uh, that I cannot share at this time. But, you know, all the same kinds of worlds and, and uh, characters that we all love. So,
2: Well, it's never boring with you, sir. There's always something going on.
7: Yes, sir i yes, I am
1: sir. super excited about the destiny thing I didn't know about that, and uh i I played a bunch at the beginning, and it's one of those games that people constantly tell me you got to get back into you got to get back into and now now I have a real life and death reason Wow,
7: well, yeah, yeah no, it's all about me <laughs> now look the game is has always been fun to play uh you know and and to build this constant universe is extraordinarily difficult so that anyone can come in and join and, and get the same level of uh, of uh, play that we did when we were first timers. And then to keep it, you know, uh, to keep raising the bar from a content and story standpoint is a real challenge. And those guys and gals are 700 plus over there in, in the offices. Just, you know, wow. like everybody at the book, they all want to make the best game possible. And, uh, uh you know, uh, it was it
2: was a real honor and a pleasure to work with them. So uh, uh I I'm grateful for the experience. Well, let's shift from uh one universe that you're a part of to another universe you're part of, that being the Marvel Universe. Uh this week yeah. we read the original X twenty three limited series, Innocence Lost, which was co-written mm-hmm. by you and Chris Yost with uh, art mm-hmm. by Billy Tan. Do you say who? <laughs> <laughs>
7: Billy Tanner's the best. I love that guy. No, yeah. I say, oh my God. I, I actually oh, you
2: said, you said cool. Uh, yeah, cool. Exactly.
7: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right,
2: all right. Um, I want to talk, before we get into the comic itself, I want to talk about just X-23, how she came to be. It's kind of an interesting story. She was not someone, a character that originally debuted in the comics. Uh, what was the genesis of the original X-23 character, Craig? Uh, yeah, that's
7: a step from the way, way back machine. So I... Uh, when I first came into the company, I was overseeing the animation division, and the series that I had consulted on was entering its second season, which is X-Men Evolution, you know, and, and I said it before, and I said it at the time, you know, it was very much 9021X, and <laughs> uh, it was a beautiful show, the prettiest animation that Marvel has ever put out outside the directed DVDs, um, uh, you know, but the Wolverine films, I mean, the X-Men films, you know, were just, we're just hitting. you know, and, and and the, the larger world, including the network that ran at Kids WB, uh, we're just starting to see the importance of the franchise and especially in the importance of the character like Wolverine. Now, in that show, the bulk of the, of the classic X-Men were kids, uh, with a few of them being instructed by the adults. So Storm and Beast and Wolverine and Xavier were all adults, but Gene, Scott, Kitty... Uh, Bobby, and a few others were all, you know, young kids. Almost like, you know, New Mutant ages. So when we ended season two, and it was going great, Craig Johnson was story editor at the time, uh, I got pulled aside by the uh, creative exec over at uh, Kids WB and said, can we make Wolverine one of the kids? And I was like, mm, no, nope, nope, we sure can't, because that's an awful idea, and uh, you want me to do that between seasons, so that's not going to work. <laughs> So that once I shot that down, I didn't want to not answer or address the note. So I went back to my own comics and and reread everything because I was a diehard X fan, but you know, I wanted to find a solution and, and I found it in Barry Windsor-Smith. And so when I got to Weapon X and I read it all through, you know, I was well into the understanding that there's no bettering Wolverine. Okay, he's a perfect creature. After Lynn Wein and Barry Windsor-Smith and Chris Claremont and Frank Miller and all these great that had written him and brought such beautiful, brilliant stories and death to him. I'm not going to be able to bang out uh, another one anytime soon, but if I can't better him, maybe I could remake him. And so when I looked at the program, I found a crack of a story where maybe it didn't end there like we thought it did. And over the next uh, uh, couple, few months, uh, I came up with the story that uh, became The Pitch to Joe Casada. Um, that got X-23 Greenlit as a character. Um, sorry for the long-winded answer, but you know when I when I came no, up. No, we love long-winded that, answers. But so, I came up with a concept. "This is what it's going to be. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a female clone of Wolverine. She's going to be young, you know." And my solution was basically this: everywhere the creators, the or, or the, the talent that had worked with the character since Lynn Wayne... Um, made a left, I made a right. So instead of Wolverine being older than any of us knew, this is a child. Instead of being a man who's searching for a life he lost, this child's never had a life. She's only known the programming. Instead of, um, uh, uh, you know, breaking free and, uh, uh, you know, finding his way to a place where maybe there's a future for him, she was never going to get out of this place. And, you know, so I I was able to really button up a very, very tight story that I was really proud of. And when I pitched it to Avi Arad, who was the head of the studio at the time, he said, oh, sounds great, tell Joe. Because he wasn't about to say yes when I'm basically mucking with major continuity with a major character. So uh, Joe and Bill Jimis were coming to town talking talk about a bunch of stuff. And in a car ride to an in-and-out, I gave Joe the one and a quarter page version of it. And with bated breath, I waited, but he said, and just over a page, you cracked the problem we haven't been able to solve in 15 years. I think it's great. I think she's awesome. And, and, uh, and I'd actually like to see her in the books. And, uh, you know, being a fanboy, loving books more than anything in the world, having the editor-in-chief at the time tell you he wants to put her in the books was about as big of a moment as you could have. So I went off to work on the Saturday morning version of the story I pitched Joe. And he ended up taking X-23 into NYX. And, you know, uh, she debuted in, in Season 3, and she returned in Season 4 one last time. Uh, and, uh, and, yeah, I mean, once she hit the comics, you know, uh, she hit hard and took off like wildfire, and then that's when Joe asked if I would uh, write the story I pitched to him in
2: the comics and uh and that's how we got the backwards cool i want to before we dive fully into the pitch and the story and everything i want to get a sense of because you know you were developing this show that was largely uh targeted for kids uh you obviously had to do some different stuff how was x23 originally received not just by the guys that were working on it but i mean you had to have had some pulse of fandom at the time were primarily i'd have to assume young male audience did they take to this character
7: yeah, you know, it's, it's funny, you know, I think over the four or five years I worked on that show, uh, it took us until about the end of season two, beginning of season three, where this real groundswell of support kind of came to us. Most of the fan reactions we could get to on various websites was, "Wow, oh, that 90 series was perfect, why don't you make that? <laughs> And uh, I'm going to say it now, and I'm very proud to say this, I hate the 90s series. I, uh, I would, Yeah, yeah. I'm saying it out loud, and I'm proud of it. Yeah. I, uh, I was in college when that show hit, and I was a crack fiend for Batman the Animated Series,
3: mm-hmm. which
7: was something like I had never seen. And it really just kind of, uh, just really showed me what was possible in TV animation. And um, while I applaud the comic books uh truthfulness and design style and tale and attempt to really bring all the comics to life in um in in the 90s series it was so ugly and the voices were so <laughs> bad i uh, and i hate you believe i uh yeah so there you go i can't wait for all the hate mail but anyway <laughs> here's the good news my hate doesn't matter it's still out there it's everybody's it, it put a lot of fans in the theaters when the live-action movie happened. If it not for that show, there would be no live-action movie. So I will never say that that show is not a monumental achievement in the history of the X-Men. Without it, I assure you, the X-Men would not be in theaters for another decade because that's where people realize, holy shit, this is an amazing film. I mean, an amazing franchise and great characters. So that's... That was the Blade movement for animation uh, when it came to the X-Universe. Um, uh, so, so sorry. So getting back to Evolution, again, it, it, it was tough. You know, the first season was very tough. We were trying to make a network happy that had a lot of power and a lot of control. If they weren't happy, we were on the air. And it was something we really wanted to, to see succeed. And we had lame characters like Spike, who just sucked and we couldn't get rid of. <laughs> And it took us three seasons to make him somewhat palatable. <laughs> oh, my God, he blew. Um, uh, but but as the series went on, and really, it found its legs in season two, uh, we really kind of hit our stride. So by the time X-23 appeared, people enjoyed it. You know, I think everyone always balks when any little kid comes in and spanks these great heroes, and they should. But, you know, that was the story. Um, we were telling, and she was there to, it, Look, if it was a comic, she would kill them, and the X-Men aren't going to kill some pink. so that puts her at an advantage when everyone else is being a human being, and she's like, eh, I'm just going to massacre these people, but it, obviously, again, in, in the version for television, was, she just knocked them out, so uh, when people ever have a gripe about that, I'm like, the X-Men are heroes, she's a little murderer, so there you go, you know, they're not trying to kill this kid, not even hurt her, she has very different ideas in mind, so Um, I I don't remember much backlash like I said Uh, uh, by that time we had a pretty pretty loyal fan base
1: yeah I think one of the interesting things is like you were saying with the 90s series we I in particular have seen so many fans who just swear up and down over whatever animation they grew up with they latched onto so there are so many hardcore fans for evolution we saw them a lot especially when we had the episodes on youtube or wherever and so i think she found a really interesting place in the fandom because of evolution and i think it was it's great for the character yeah well
7: it's so funny because again so when i came into x-men evolution i was i was hitting that wall of gigantic nostalgia right and uh, of the 90s series which, again, well-earned, okay? I mean, I'm grateful for every one of those fans. Uh, I never experienced the nostalgia factor because, you know, it was always for me, on to the next show, on to the next show, on to the next show. And, you know, there's there's reasons shows stay on air and there's reasons they don't. And if they don't generate enough money, look, it's a therapist. We don't, we can't just keep making them uh, because we love them. And, um, you know, so uh, series moved pretty fast and loose. Evolution was the longest series I worked on, and uh, I'm so proud of it. It was where Chris and I first got to write, write together because when I came up with a pitch, got it approved by Avi, got it approved by Joe, then I had to go to Greg and say, yeah, I know, I know I'm your boss, but can I write this? And he said, yeah. And I, I said, okay, I'm scared, so I'm going to get a buddy of mine that was an intern at the time and have him help me. And uh, and Chris and I worked together for the very first time on that episode. So um, uh, that was the beginning of our kind of creative uh, uh, journey together. Um uh, but, back to the nostalgia, so I was just at ECCC and the number of fans that came to me at that show to say, oh, I remember that first episode, I remember falling in love with her on X-Men Evolution, it blew my mind. It blew my mind. Never in my life, to this, up until that weekend, had I ever heard a fan tell me that they first fell in love with the character in Evolution. I always assumed, you know, they saw... Um, the beautiful artwork and uh, of Josh Middleton and, and, and Joe's work on issue three, and then they got to figure out who she was, uh innocence lost. But I, I just because I had never experienced it, um, it was it was it really took me aback. And It was such a, I don't know, such a lovely. moment every time someone came up and said that's where they found her that's where they loved her and 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 i've seen it a lot now recently too people talk about evolution all the time and it's crazy
1: all right so one thing i've always i've wondered about for a long time because i remember when laura first was coming out ben and i were at i think ben was still was there uh, had just started it was at wizard and i I think that was when i first met you and chris back then and there was a, this issue of Wolverine from the 90s. It was like Wolverine number 80, where there was a vial labeled X-23. And there's, I've always, I, I don't know why I've never actually like looked into or asked you guys about how that plays into everything, because it seems like such a huge coincidence. Yes, yes.
7: And it's one that has haunted me since the very first comic book dealer found an angle for that issue. So let me just clear the path of everything. It is. it is random chance. And let me tell you how random it is. When I first pitched X23 and it's a far better name than the one I originally pitched to Avi, it was X13. He said, ah eh, sounds too much like gen 13. I'm like, all right, how about x 23 he's like, fine, that's before they were better. They did it, they did it in 13 tries. Now it took them 20. They weren't as smart as before. but uh, so, you know, <laughs> it, it was. It was, it, it was just a crazy-ass coincidence. And, uh, again, if you read the pages of Innocence Lost alone, you realize that this is not some random magic vial out there um, uh, that ever existed. But this is someone, these are people trying to capitalize on a crazy coincidence and try to say that her first appearance happened long before uh, the pages of NYX, which is 100% untrue. Most people don't buy it. I, I, I think that book normally goes for, like, ten bucks. But every fan that gets duped, oh, it makes me so mad because that's someone taking advantage of, uh, of a person's love for the character. So for the record, I've never read the issue, and the file has nothing to do with that character.
1: Damn, you hear it here yeah. first. Uh, so anyone out yeah. there who does the Wikipedia edits, I, I think that's a yeah. thing that anyone can do. Somebody... Put it on the record, link to this podcast, have got
2: it. Yeah, all right. So let's move into the actual series itself, move into Innocence Lost. Now, it really interested me what you said, Craig, when you said that basically this was the pitch you originally handed to Joe and them, and then you had to dial it back for animation. So what was kind of the process of reopening this as something that, you know, you could pitch to a little more mature audience. Obviously, it's a it's a much more mature book. Um, but after working with the character in animation, was there just were these itches you wanted to scratch?
7: Well, you know, I mean, look, uh, no. No writer, no creative person uh, conceives of things with broadcast uh, practices and standards in their head. We we just don't do it. You you don't pre-edit like, oh, too scary. You know, you would never come up with a good idea. And being a, 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 you know, a lifelong comic book
3: fan, you
7: know, when I'm thinking about this story and I'm using the pages of Windsor Smith's Brilliant Weapon X and the stories that came before it from Claremont and, uh, and all the others, you know, that's the world I'm, Forging this character in, and uh, I assure you that if I had pitched a Saturday morning version of that to Joe, it would not have happened. Um, so, I mean, I was really, I was really passionate, and 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 I really, I really knew who she was at the time. So, yeah, the hard part was okay. So we can't really show a child being turned into a weapon in any way, you know, a couple of scary shots, but even those need to really be dialed back. Um, obviously no killing, you know, so she's got to have some device that knocks characters out. Um, you know, so, so basically I had to go through the story with the story editor, Greg and even the very first path that Chris and I kind of did of the reimagining of that origin was way too heavy. And he and I got into it a little bit, but you know, it was his job to make sure I didn't break the show on my precious, uh, first story um but you know we got to a good place and i think it worked out great um and uh uh yeah you know it's just It's just, you really just have to think, how is a young audience going to handle this? And and really, you can never take the fanboys into consideration. We do the stuff that we love, that we're excited about, and we are fans, but we cannot chase the hearts and minds of every fan out there because you will wind up with G.I. Joe, you know, a big old pile of shit that has no vision, and it's just something for everyone, which means there's nothing for no one. So, So we just told stories that we loved and did our best to Find a way for parents to sit on the couch and not have the ass-paralyzing Pokemon experience where you just want to uh, uh, turn off the TV or run, and, and actually enjoy a half an hour with your kid and, and bring them into the world that you you love, even though it's been obviously um, shifted and changed to make it more palatable for them.
2: Cool. So you get done with the evolution gig, and now you're gonna you've you've been given the gift to write writer in the comics. How do you approach mm-hmm. the comics gig differently from when you were doing the show?
7: Uh, well, I mean, again, uh, thank God. Um, before before that had even come about, I had really, you know, I had I had a very fleshed out pitch. I want to say it was at least ten pages, that then I had distilled down to one and a quarter for Joe. And. Um, because of the, the good buzz around the character when she hit an NYX, it seemed like that was going to be uh, um, a potential opportunity. And um, Joe originally asked if, if, if I wanted to write it with him, and you know, for me, because I had had the chance to work with the character twice on X-Men Evolution, and Chris and I had this great creative, you know, friendship and relationship, it just felt like, you know, I want to bring her into the books with someone who loves her as much as me, and loves comics as much as me, and it just felt right for him to be the one to do that, and uh, so I I, I ended up uh, expanding the outline to 25 pages, and Chris went through and made some, you know, uh, tweaks to it, and then... I submitted to Axel Alonzo, who was the editor of the um, Marvel Knights line at the time. And he was incredible. He was wildly receptive. He said, we don't normally get a 25-page outline on a five-issue mini. Uh, and really... For a lot of those issues, we were able to expand them and just break them down into panels, and then and really focus on how fast we turn scenes and and the dialogue and um, and it worked together. Obviously, I was very wrong. We needed six issues, so it did grow quite a bit over the course of doing it. But you know, Axel was and again, this is a slight to any editor that came after him, but he was the gold standard for uh, a partner in crime, a partner. uh, in Marvel Publishing, and, and uh, I'll always be grateful he was the guy who kind of held our hand and, and took such great care of us and the book when we uh, when we first entered comics.
2: One of the most interesting things to me about this initial X-23 limited series is much like, I won't, I don't want to say like a horror movie, but almost like a horror movie where the title character is not the lead character and you kind of see them mm-hmm. through the lens of other characters. That's very much something you guys went with. You know, you have a doctor who you introduce on the first page who is going to be kind of our point of view character for the uh, for the lifespan of this series. And X-23 never has narration boxes. She's never the focal point, but she is the one you want to learn about. How did you come to that decision?
7: Yeah, you know, uh, at, the, at the end of the day, it wasn't a choice. You know, uh, I didn't realize it until so we really got into the tripping phase that I didn't write a story about X-23. I wrote a story about uh, a monster who became the mother, and the end of this journey was going to decide what happens when when, when that is close, in a character like that. And, uh, you know, it's funny, when I was coming up with the idea for X-23, you know, I, I was thinking, you well, who the hell would do this, you know? And, I you know, there were a lot of male scientists and characters in Weapon X, and I felt it was very important that we have some females in this, especially. Especially when it came to creating a female Weapon X, and but my first question to myself was, who? What, what woman would do this? What woman would uh, create a child and watch her uh, be stripped of anything we you know as humanity and and life and be forged into nothing but a killing machine? Uh, bred so wipe out anyone for, for a price, And, you know, that were the story of her abuse and being estranged from her family and and, and this chip on her shoulder of needing to find a, a reason to prove value in her life. And on the other side of that, I, I had to the question of, well, who are the others then? Who are the ones that have carried this torch since Repponite's escape? And, you know, I ultimately ended up answering those questions to a degree that those were the stories that needed to be told. And in truth X23 X23's journey begins at the end of the series you know it's um, you, you can't in the comics you couldn't tell her story until you told Sarah's
2: story you cited weapon X obviously as a huge influence on this as you're writing the story what kind of flourishes of Barry Wintersmith's work did you find yourself leaning on because there's a few that, that I think are it's a great reflection it's not the type of thing where i'd say it and be like oh man this is a ripoff of weapon x it's definitely an homage so how did you manage to do that
7: you know i i think you know obviously the very first scene needed to feel like you could have tacked those pages on the end of the original weapon x and they would have worked after that came a story about people who whose lives were ravaged and just and, and just thrown into chaos because of the program and the escape uh then because of the way that X23 came about, everything was different. You know, you weren't going to try to mind wipe her because she had no memories to take. You weren't going to stick her in an anatomic adamant- an tank because you can't place your bones. She'll she'll be a horrid creature, uh, unable to grow if you did that. Her organs would keep going, but everything else would be frozen in time. And so, as far as you know, trying to capture too many visuals, I, that was never that was never a thought. It was it was more of does this feel like the people who would have been a part of this program way back when? Uh, and are we servicing the the players in this new horrible chapter? And, and, I, and I, I step back and I really do think we did.
2: You have, on the one hand, Sarah, who is kind of the character we sympathize with, even though, as you said, she is basically a monster in some ways. But then you have Xander, who is at the other extreme, who were introduced to him losing his father. And you think, oh, this might be a sympathetic character. And then he proves to be anything but sympathetic. I mean, he's really, a lot of the comments we got when we were reading this book were just like, what a horrible villain, worse than, you know, the typical supervillain this Xander Rice character was. How did he come to
7: be? Well, you know, uh, first off, he's a a, a guy I've known since I was 12, so he's a real person. Uh, uh, (laughs) I'm like, hey, you're in a movie. Uh, You're the weakest part, apparently, but you're in it.
3: Uh,
7: (laughs) uh, uh, Oh, we could have only been Pierce. But uh, 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 but Logan is so amazing. I, it was just hilarious, though, to keep on hearing his name, knowing that he's actually out there. But um, uh, so, so, yeah. So I knew there were going to be two scientists involved, uh, one to keep this story alive from the last page of that first scene and then um and then someone else to come in to save the day to create basically chaos and what has been you know a 20-year journey of this of this kid and i look I, I think most people really get him as a villain some people are like oh he's just so evil but but he's not he's really messed up so he lost his father uh, at the hands of Weapon X and he was then raised by the man who put his father in the, in the spot that got him killed. And then he was given the chance to carry on his father's work and bring value to that man's loss, the, the loss of his father. So he's he, he, he straddled with, very, with two very opposing burdens. I hate Weapon X and I wish I could kill it because it killed my father. But if I don't Remake it. My father's death was for nothing. My loss is for nothing. So you have a man who's really conflicted out of the gate, and he has the hots for his stepmom. He's young, so you know what it is. But uh, he's effed up. He's effed up, and he always thought this was his destiny to have. And Sarah being, Sarah being uh, swoops in, save the day. That never, that never um, was good for him. Hold on. To Oh, nice. uh, so, yeah, so, 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 that, so that, that's what you have. Yeah, basically. Uh, but but I, I was always really happy with, with Rice because I felt like, you know, um, it's clear, I think, after you read the story. I, can, I, can I get into the spoilery stuff or, or how do we do this?
2: Uh, we assume people have already read the story and if they haven't, shame on them. So you can, you can spoil away.
7: So even the title, you know, Innocence Law, yes. Obviously, uh, X23 goes through horrible suffering for the first 13 years of her life, but she never really had any innocence to be stolen away. She's only known the program. She's only known all of all of all of these horrors. You know, she didn't have a life to lose. Um, innocence loss is Sarah's story. She's someone who was victimized by her father uh, in that moment, and many moments uh, for many years. You know, her her childhood and and her, and her innocence was was. Uh, Taken and stolen from her. So that's uh, that's the core of the story. But in the same breath, Rice is also someone who, the moment his father was killed and he was taken in by Martin, his childhood also ended. And these two characters were drawn into a, a situation that could only end the way it did.
2: One thing you also notice about this story is it's very much set in the Marvel universe, in the X-Men universe, but there's no, you know, there's no guest appearances from the X-Men. There's, It, it really is all completely new characters. There's no, Laura goes out into the world and has the mission to save her, uh, her cousin, and I mean, I guess they, they run into Hydra and AIM and stuff like that, but that's very tangential. There's no, you know daredevil swinging by at a key moment was there any pressure to integrate it further into marvel universe or were you able to just tell this story off in the bubble you had it in
7: no you know it's funny i mean look she was popular uh as soon as she hit um i mean she really fell out of the sky she landed in the third issue of a a, a smaller series you know beautifully drawn by uh you know the head of our Publishing division. Uh, I mean, beautifully drawn by Josh Middleton and, and, and uh, being written by by Joe Quesada. So it was very surprising. And you know, there's so much love for Wolverine. It just caught a lot of interest. But I think no one expected the story to connect with people the way it would. So there were no expectations like, oh yeah, fill it up with all this stuff. I think they thought it would come out. It would be serviceable. And I'm not. I'm not. This is not a negative comment on anybody. Hey, uh, Joe with open arms said, tell the story. Axel got the document and was an ally and helped us make this story better every step of the way so everyone was lovely but there was just no pressure like um, to get it out to the wider world and to be honest there wasn't any room for it you know Uh, a lot like the film out right now it's a small story it doesn't It doesn't, while it spans years, it's very intimate and it's very small. It's a very, it's a very tiny world that we stay in over the course of those six issues.
2: And I'm grateful for that. After you tell this initial story, you kind of get her set up, you tell Sarah's story, you tell Xander's story, you have X-23. When you leave X-23 at the end of this series, did you, in your mind, already know what the next chapter was for her? Did you have expectations? hopes, where did you hope that she was going?
7: Um, so, uh, as a creator, I have to think that a lot of people feel like this. Like, you know, if you're really invested in someone, I think you have all kinds of ideas. But, you know, when you're introducing someone into the Marvel Universe, that's a big universe with lots of stuff going on, lots of talented people telling stories and drawing stories. And, you know, you have to respect the tapestry and, and, and the, the big flow of, of many, many characters that are moving across the Storiescape of the Marvel U. So, you know, look, my pie in the sky idea was before she popped into the comics, I wanted to have her hidden in like 14 different books and silhouettes on random panels and never speak to it. So, what you could see was she was on the outskirts of the Marvel U, kind of feeling things out, getting a look for who's who, finding out who's trouble, who's not, what can they do, what can they not. And before getting too deep you know she's she's like a a a trained killer or a trained weapon she's trying to get a sense of what she's up against what are the threats what is she you know she's just assessing that didn't happen of course because that's a banana's idea but it would have been sweet uh uh, um, unfortunately, right before Innocence Lost hit, uh, the man who was responsible for my love of comics and the X-Men, uh, Chris Claremont. I mean, a god among men. It is his book that I picked up first. X-Men is my love above all things. Uh, there would be me no doing Marvel stuff if it was not for Chris Claremont. He is just, you know, he is the, he is the spring of my comic book inspiration. So I, I could not love the guy more. But he was told to bring X-23 in, I think, for, 50 uh because it was a you know special number with no understanding of who or what she was because he didn't know no one told him so he put her in fangs costume and she looked like she was 22 and uh the issue was horrible and so was the follow-up and so um uh uh while i was very happy with Edison's Law i was going to be given a second chance to continue the story i knew i had to undo some of the some of the choices made uh in those early, uncanny issues. And I did. And Chris and I did. And fortunately, I think all of those choices have stuck, and people are happy. And yes, they're retcons, but they work, and they don't uh, harm the stories that Claremont was telling us about. Well,
2: let's kind of talk about where she's ended up today. Obviously, you know, you guys did a follow-up story, which I hope we'll get to eventually on our Unlimited reading sure. Club. Don't want to spoil that. But, you know, she became a vital part of the X-Men universe. As you've been talking about, she's now can be seen on film and maybe most importantly she has essentially taken the role of wolverine in the marvel universe um how do you react to all that did you expect this do you like how everything went uh just what do you think of the more modern takes on x23 uh no
7: i i you you can never expect this i mean um i will say that in the final episode of X Men Evolution, uh, uh, in my wildest dreams, uh, uh, in a ballsy image, I put the. Chris and I wrote a little montage at the end of the final episode. And there's a shot where Xavier says, I, I, I've seen my X-Men grow up. And you see this shot of the future X-Men all inspired by the uh, ultimate X-Men at the time. And in that shot, you'll see X-23 standing front and center, now a teenager, with a black armband and Wolverine's missing. And that was supposed to be uh, uh, an Easter egg. That Wolverine had died somehow, in my mind, saving the world, truly. And now she had stepped into his role to try to carry on his own amazing legacy. So that's not me predicting it. Uh, uh, I've said it before, but that's completely BS that was the damn saying, thing oh wouldn't it be cool someday if there's no Wolverine and she's that person again carrying on his legacy not necessarily wearing his costume and getting calls at that name uh it's amazing the fans love it a lot of people tell me they're really loving the new run I, I read the first six I thought the, the the new sisters were great Gabby was hilarious uh it felt like a, a continuation of her story um so there's wonderful work being in there I'll always be The old man on the porch saying she's not Wolverine and she shouldn't be wearing his clothes because she should be able to stand on her own two feet and be given a name and and be her own hero. And Wolverine's awesome, and I don't want to take away from who he is. So. You know, that that's the creator griping about what has happened with this child now that she's gone out into the world. But uh, all I want is great stories for her and people who care about her to write her. And I would say that Sirius is obviously doing great, got a huge fan base. So uh, as someone who just wants to see her continue to succeed and, and touch fans, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. So my costume and naming gripes aside, I'm I'm thrilled. And then there's there's no way to talk about the movie. The movie um, such an extraordinarily truthful depiction of her character. Uh, grateful doesn't even begin uh, to explain how I feel about it. Uh, A lot had to be changed and adapted to fit the story that James had built. That said, I love the story he created. I think he took a lot of great nods from Sarah's saga and brought them into the Wolverine portion, the Logan portion of that story, And, and, uh, and again, to see her on screen, to be the young child that I first came up with and Chris and I first wrote, uh, and a character that I wish we had more time with before she grew up so fast. Uh, I'm excited because I think that he loves her as a character and obviously Daphne Keene is incredible and they all want to go back to her. my hope is, uh, that we'll get 17 years out of X 23 from Daphne. And then that'll, that'll, that'll really change everything because, uh, I mean, think about it. We could follow her into adulthood and, 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 uh, if it Mangold is anyway involved, those stories are going to be some of the best being told by anybody in the comic business uh, of movie makers So I'm thrilled All over right. the moon, and I'm a lucky guy, dude.
2: Yeah, I, that's that's a good way to close out what I had said. Do you have anything to add, Ryan?
1: Sorry, I was on mute because there are people yelling outside my house because of the snow. No, that was terrific. Oh. I'm that was it's great. It's a
2: delightful bit of
7: behind oh, the scenes hey, information.
2: Yeah. yeah, really, really great to hear. yeah
7: uh, I don't think there's anything else. I think of if there's any other Easter eggs that I that people may not know. But I think that's. I mean, that's largely, largely. Yeah.
1: You guys touched on it a little bit. Yeah. The one thing that I really liked it. I was I was rereading it, going through, in the end. I was like, I don't think she said a word, and it was so strong to me. And I flipped back a couple pages and, and went back on the the issues in the app, and I was like, oh, all right, she said, you know, like the things when she was sort of in character. And the only, I think the only words that she says are right at the end. And I was like,
7: damn, that was cool. Yeah, I mean, because again, she, she wasn't allowed to make a choice, and she didn't even believe that she was capable of it, so she didn't. You know, the first choice she made was not killing Henry, and that only, that action was only made possible because just the day before she had saved Megan, and she couldn't compute stealing a child yesterday, but saving, uh, uh, saving a child yesterday, but then killing one today. And Rice told her specifically that she couldn't tell anyone what had happened, but he didn't say, she couldn't put a photo in her mouth, and that was... Those are the two big moves that she made, and that's what inspired Sarah to see that, holy shit, there's hope. Uh, And I got to tell you, the number of people that have reached out to me with some really heart-wrenching stories and talked about how that story and that turn inspired them to see through their own pain and darkness... I mean, it is a humbling, humbling experience for people to open up and share so deeply with, with me, especially, I'm just, I'm a stranger, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, I always call these people their X-23 fans, They're sure as hell not mine. They they love the character, and, and I've been very lucky to be kind of this champion of her, but, uh, you know, she's, she's just done a lot, she's done a hell of a lot more of it for everybody than I ever could have imagined. Um, and the only other thing that I never got to talk about, real quick, is Billy Pan, uh, we should put one quick note in on the art because so much of X-23's success in this story comes to her expressions. And to draw a child is hard enough in the books, but to be able to emote and show such subtlety across those panels and have people's hearts break for her. Like when she kills her sensei and comes out of black and sees blood in her hands and then sees, yeah. sees that on the ground flashes through blown, bone and flesh like he's made of styrofoam and she just collapses on him. Or when she falls on Sarah. Uh, or those turns where trigger scent kicks in. Or, you know, you just go on and on and on. There was no scene too big for him. There was no moment too small. Uh, Billy was, was the key to ourselves the story was there we knew we could tell it well uh, and tell it right but if his visuals didn't carry the heart and soul of the book the way it did, people would never have connected with her the way they have. So he is a blessing. And we were fortunate enough to get that one more time with Mike Short and Sonia Obach, which is a discussion for another call. But those two artists, artists and artist teams that we were given complete that story of X23's origin with the greatest gift novel publishing ever ever gave chris and i and if that was all they ever gave us it would be more than enough so uh, as someone who couldn't love this character more to this day i will always get emotional uh, when i talk about how grateful i am that we have those talented artists with us for the most important stories uh in the character's life
2: well just as you appreciate those artists we appreciate the work you did on this craig and uh it's a phenomenal story it holds up incredibly well and just a great character and what an what an amazing contribution you've gotten to make to the Marvel universe. And as a fan, I know how satisfying that must be for you. It's it's huge.
7: You know, and it's lovely that you know you guys are reaching out and, and taking the time with me and then sharing this with the fans who have these questions. And um you know again the deeper that we can we can be involved with the people who keep us in business and feed our families and love these characters, whether we're, you know, top of the box office or in bankruptcy, you know, uh, it's a gift. And, and I'm grateful for the opportunity, and I'm glad you two are the ones doing it. Uh, they, they couldn't have better uh, better stewards in this process, so uh, they're lucky to have you guys, too. Thanks, man.
2: Thanks, uh- man. I think that's. I think that's where we wrap it up before we all start crying. Craig, I'll
7: put well, your. Uh, all right. Well, not-
2: I'll Venmo you the twenty dollars
1: for those compliments. Yeah. Thank you.
3: Yeah. Right. <laughs>
1: All right, what oh, a chat we boy. had. Hope the audio worked out for you guys. Um, but yeah, it was a delight talking with Craig about X twenty three and just all kinds of fun stuff. I want to dig into some Thor stuff with him in the future mm. about the movies.
2: Absolutely. Um, just because we can have him back on. There's we, no reason we can't. We should this is our show. I'm gonna we do get a beer with him when I'm in Chicago. Yeah, I know. I'm adult beverage. I'm very jealous of that. Yeah, it's gonna be great.
1: Yeah. Um But. We took your guys' questions and comments about X twenty three using the hashtag #TwinURC. Up first, Don DJ Fenko just said time to read X twenty three. Hashtag back issues. Didn't say anything more. Hope you yep, liked it, that's Don. Yep. Joshua Cooper says, Excuse to read the original run of X23 plus disposable income from tax return mm-hmm. equals time for my first Twim URC. Oh, wow. Well, Enjoy. Yeah, thank you. He says, How does Xander Rice not make the Marvel Top 10 villain list? This guy is the worst. We talked about that. We a lot did. And it was yeah. interesting to hear Craig's. Look at the on, guy yeah. and how he is terrible. Mm-hmm. But there's more to him that drove drove him to the, that mm-hmm, place. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, "I think the only morally good person in this entire arc is Megan, That's who her, is the her niece. Cousin. Yeah. yeah, who is X twenty three's cousin. Yeah,
2: uh, I, I can't disagree with that. Yeah, it's, no, it's hard to, to disagree. Maybe her mom also." She's fairly innocent, Sarah. No, Sarah not, Kinney, not Sarah. Sarah's oh, the, sister. Yeah, but there, there felt like there was something more, some relationship business
1: going on between um, Sarah Kinney and Megan's mom. Yeah, you're I right. I
2: don't know. You're right. I don't. Something hinky going. on. I'm just on reading into it. Anyway, I hear what you're saying?
1: Uh, Josh says last scene with Sarah is a great side by side with the scene in all new Wolverine where Gabby says she
2: is curing X-23 of the trigger scent. Yeah. Moving on to Kyle Charles, Johnny Timpulse. X23 is this week's pick for URC. I can't wait to read this mini series again. I totally forgot how much of a tool Xander was and how much of a creep Xander was. Who sneaks into a woman's in the middle of the night? A jerk. That's who. Someone entered the bone zone, but sadly it was that douche Xander. <laughs> Sarah Kinney's inner monologue in issue one is so sad. Yeah, the narration by Sarah Kinney is... Deeply emotional. Yeah. Um, whoa. In issue two, Xander becomes even more of a d-bag. No surprise there. You can feel the emotional connection between Z- Laura and her sensei until that d-bag messes that up. If you're a Game of Thrones fan, a, yeah. this reminded me a little bit of uh,
1: the um, the. Dude, who was teaching? Oh yeah, from uh, the first season, right? The first Cereo. season, yeah. What? Curio? Syria. Syria. Syria.
2: Syria. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, remember uh, that. reminded me of that a little bit. It was, I was like, oh, it was good stuff. Hold up, did X twenty three kill Greg Johnson and his kids? If so, that is pretty messed up. I'm blaming Xander. Yeah, Greg Johnson Some being uh, the, the named politician, after,
1: oh, he named but after? named. I, believe Greg Johnson worked on
2: X-Men Evolution, the oh, real cool. Greg Johnson. Wow. I, so he we was have a lawyer in this book. We have a lawyer at Marvel, uh, Eli Bard. Yep. I know Who, he's made infamous in the X Force run by Craig Kyle and Chris Yost. Yes.
1: Very yeah. intentionally so.
2: Yes yeah, very much. Uh, it's great stuff. Um I wish Dr. Kinney would just punch Xander in the face, leaving Laura to die. Is Xander that dumb? Everyone knows bullets can't kill a Wolverine. Worst scientist ever. I really feel sorry for Dr. Kinney having to watch her daughter become the ultimate killing machine. So instead of buying child support, Xander gets X-23 to kill Martin and Rachel. What a garbage person. I mean, that's like, that's a thing. Yeah, it's being terrible. It's douche 101, man. (laughs) Um... When Dr. Kenny found X twenty three cutting herself, I felt legit sad. She must have felt so helpless. That whole thing I like devastating. I am I'm glad
1: she's like dealt with that stuff, mm-hmm. but that's a that was a huge part of what she was dealing with for a Absolutely. long time.
2: Absolutely. Uh, Dr. Kinney was such a badass in issue six, popping caps and taking names, but her inner monologue just showed how messed up she was because of her father. She was kinda like a parallel to Xander. Definitely daddy issues throughout the book here. Um Showing that things from our past can influence our future, but only if you let them, which she didn't want for Laura. A d-bag got what he deserved. What an omega tool. Love that. Damn you, Trigger scent, Ruining what could have been a heart-melting moment. As a whole, I loved all the X-23 stuff written by Colin Yost, and Billy Tan's art was amazing. Laura has come a long way since her days as an emotionally detached killing machine. That's why she is such a great character. Once again, thank you for choosing this for Reading Club. Hopefully you pick the other X-23 miniseries in the future. I remember when I started to get back into comics, I started with Yost and Kyle's new X-Men and later X-Force, so I might be biased.
1: Yeah, a little biased, but
2: that's good bias.
1: Good bias. Marcus Sutton says, Have you ever had Kieran Gillen's Young Avengers as a twin URC? We have not. It's Something feels- we should... Remedy. Feels like we so, should at some point. Like we, should we should also should. have the first appearance of America Chavez yeah. in um, Vengeance. Vengeance.
2: Oh, Vengeance would be a great one to do. Right? Yeah. That was an Vengeance, underrated that book. That was very underrated.
1: Um, all right. Penelope Cat says, time to start reading the X20, X-23 miniseries for the new Twin BRC. Hoping I can get through it, in this time this week, I missed X-Men Legacy. He read the first appearance of X-23 in NYX, but this series is new to me. The art looks very Mark Silvestri-inspired. I think Billy Tam would take that as a compliment. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Issue 1, Rice and Sutter's attitude toward a female clone, plus the way they treat Dr. Kinney. What a couple of D-bags. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Of course, they're all talking about creating a human life just to be experimented on, so there are no real heroes here. There's a whole generation of Marvel characters I missed when I drifted away from Marvel in the early to mid-2000s, including X-23. I was told she was a clone of Logan, but it's interesting seeing the whole story. Interesting and more than a bit creepy. The story goes beyond the usual dispassionate science-hurting-people scenario. It's specifically about hurting women. I don't mean that in a casual, exploitative way. The writers clearly put and rice as evil because of their attitudes i feel like the misogyny is what ra- raises the villains from a-hole scientists businessmen to pure evil not that Sadra I- sarah is that admirable at first but she's nowhere near on the same level i feel like this is a 21st century spin on a classic marvel apathetic scientist screw up origin and it really held my attention almost all of my experience with laura has been on the pages of all new x-men now i want to read some all new wolverine well said. Said. That
2: we That's what we came to do, baby. That's uh, We came to get <laughs> you. Mission me- accomplished. Shut the podcast down. 281 episodes. We're done. We came to get you guys as yeah, excited no. about the characters as we are. Absolutely. Rafa B says, didn't expect Xander Rice to be such an awful character. The guy deserves to die in the most horrific way possible. I remember reading X-23 Target X a few years ago. Didn't know the events they were talking about it took place in the pages of X-23. I'm not reading only Wolverine, but are the clones Rice shows Sarah, the ones that follow Laura now? Uh, No, I don't think so. Because they destroy all
1: the... Yeah, all that was destroyed. This was a a different experiment. Yeah. I mean, that's part of the thing about Wolverine, both Wolverines, is... They heal, mm-hmm. so they they can leave you know their DNA behind. Yep. All
2: the, they've left a lot of blood around the world. Absolutely, and uh, yeah, they leave it's a been lot exploited. Of, yeah, Robert Captain Rogers forty four says new to Marvel Unlimited, first swim URC, really great book. Never knew X 23s background. This has me excited to start reading all new Wolverine on Marvel Unlimited. Hurrah! Yes, finally uh, we've got yells at.
1: Yes, do I want to take this one? Yells at Storm, I think, because I was like. She's
2: got an emoji. Yeah, uh, it's, a little, it's a little. I think lightning ball. she. Uh, oh wait, there's a there's a baby on the other end. Is that a? I, it's a hard baby. to tell
1: on this like, baby yells at storm. Yeah, baby yells at storm. Did we did we suss it out? I think we did. I think we got it. you let us know. Uh, she says he or she. I believe she says. So that wasn't as rapey as I was afraid it was going to be. Not a big fan of forced motherhood le- leading to maternal feelings. Gotcha. I actually sort of liked it as a story, but it feels very off kilter to me that X 23s origin story was none of her point of view. That's kind of what makes it so special, though. But that's and that's also Wolverine's, right? Yeah. Like, you get it's, it's a very as we talked about with, with Craig, Christ. it like they had no control over <laughs> what <laughs> happened to them. They were put down this path by people yep. which makes their stories that much harder. For, yeah, you know, like for sure. they are driven to something that they should not have ever been put down to. Right. It's terrible. Right and you know the fact that they come out as these amazing heroes mm-hmm. and and go through so much over the course of their lives yeah. is part of why this becomes so important yep. for telling their stories.
3: Awesome. But
1: anyway, continue on she says we learned what happened to her, but we learned very little about X-23 as a person. I have no investment as in Sarah Kinney, and everyone else was worse, except possibly the secretary and the martial arts instructor. I don't know. The secretary, yeah. she doesn't get off scotch-free either because she's cheating on her husband, True. this guy. She lies to him for years. The guilt comes. You know, it's, that's the thing. No one is, is yeah. good here. Yeah. Um this doesn't feel like a vital to read X twenty three story, good reference material, pretty decent comic, but not a Laura Kinney story. I would, a, yeah, I, think, I would disagree. I think I think fully respect the opinion and yep. I'm glad you read it and, and have that opinion. But I think like it, it knowing, especially when you read now with Gabby and those stories, like why Laura becomes so protective of of Gabby mm-hmm. and like the situation is because she doesn't want her to have to... She's young. She's the same age that Laura was during a lot of that stuff. It's like she doesn't want her to have to go through anything like right, this. Right, um, I think it's it's a, it's important.
2: And it, yeah. It for sure. It's the same way, like we were talking with Craig, Weapon X is a quintessential Wolverine story in which it's basically about the scientists. Yeah. But it's still hugely important to Wolverine's character arc. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. We already. Yeah, it. we did it. All right, guys. Um, our next Twin URC is kind of in the negotiation stage right now, Uh-oh. because Stromi and uh, Christine had one they wanted to do. I countered saying maybe they wanted to do another, and as of this recording, they had not decided. So, oh boy! When we post this podcast, we will post the new Twin URC, and you guys can jump on board to do that in two weeks with the West Coast kids. Wait, late breaking, breaking news. Minder 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 Somehow <iets laughs> I have service <laughs> in this room for the first time. Yeah. And we got an email from Strami who says, who picks Punisher Noir. Noir. So they're going to do a little Punisher Noir in two weeks. We will put it up on the website. I don't know.
1: It'll be <laughs> in Marvel Unlimited. It'll, it'll for be you in Marvel Unlimited.
2: You can check it all out. We'll um, get it going. B-
1: I don't know if you talked about it during news, but just in case... You want to participate in Marvel Unlimited reading this week at Marvel Unlimited Reading Club, mm-hmm. but you're not a Marvel Unlimited subscriber? Mm. Use the code RAND R A N D mm. right now when you subscribe to Marvel Unlimited, you get the first month for free, mm-hmm. so you can read some of these twenty thousand comics and then join us. Yep coming up read as many as you can yeah th-
2: and then <laughs> well i talked to then, some folks on twitter stick with
1: who signed up and who are like i think you know coming in from this promotion i think it's great yeah, it's good join it's- us it's bliss
2: Ugh, creepy all right well thank you guys for joining us this week yeah way to end it yeah 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 yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. this is marvel your potato verse <laughs>